Farmers Insurance knows the difference between a car hitting your bumper and a clown car hitting your bumper. Oh, 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 oh. Sorry about that. Because we covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Many, 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 Mickey, Mickey, Mickey. Pishy, pishy. are listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. X out, go listen to some boring podcast where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza. Because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Cranch. <laughs> I want to. Who delivers <laughs> this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. I want in, in the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? <laughs> Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voice Wrestling Flagship Podcast. I'm Rich Grace alongside, always, as always, the King of Banter, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, how's it going? It's going all right, my man. How are you? I don't think I've ever screwed up. I, I've done that beginning, like, how many times have I done that beginning in my life? And I've, I don't know why I stumbled that time. You, you tripped over your words a little bit there. <laughs> it was like the easy words. It wasn't even hard. It wasn't even me trying to come up with your nicknames. It was just like a normal word. You do it, every, uh, you do it so often, I guess, you, you kind of... Like, I don't even think about it. Like, it, it's I'm reading something while I'm saying it. I'm not even, it's not even in my brain whatsoever. I'm just saying it because I do, you know, I say five, four, three, two, one, and then I just say it. And it just comes and it, that's it. So, you only gave me one of my monikers, in fact. I'm like, there's too many. I don't like that. I, I like the King of Banter. I, that's always been my favorite. And that's, well, that's you know, and you, how about, how about Tinder Mahal? You're not a fan of the Tinder Mahal? I forgot about that one. That's an old school. No, see, you didn't add, you didn't put that one in there a few weeks ago. So, you can't, not, not, you can't start adding those. That's an old school one, though. Let's tack it on. Now I've got six. You got Tinder Mahal? Okay. We'll go with Tinder Mahal. I deleted Tinder. Oh, did you? Go, go on. Hold on. That's a... Mm. Go, go. The go what? What, 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 what is the reason? What is it, is it? Have you found the right one? Have you found the one? Billy, not Billy Gunn, but like the one lady? I, I don't... Uh, uh, listen, I don't, I don't need the uh, app anymore. I don't need the app anymore. Don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Oh, wow. It's it's not like you've gone to a new app. There's not some like even scuzzier app that you're now on. There's no dating apps on your phone right now. There are zero dating apps on my wow, phone. Wow, this is this is a new Joe Lanza. This is when's the last time you haven't had a dating app on your phone? Um, for like a, me- a period of time, because there might have been something where you like well, I mean, you know, for a little bit, and then you know. Well, what counts as a dating app? Um, I suppose anything could be a dating app, but I, I'm thinking like. I'm thinking the match, the OK Cupid, the Plenty of Fish days. I don't know. There's Plenty of Fish still around anymore. Uh, Tinder. Tinder's been your, your your hustle for for a while, but you know before that, you're you're predated. Like I know you weren't. You probably weren't an eHarmony guy because that's like a little too too much work. Yeah, that's like fill out the seven thousand questionnaire and we'll find the right. We'll find the one person in the world that is right for you. And you're like, ah, eh, no, 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 I'm not doing that shit. I have. Uh, let me look through here. I have zero dating apps on my phone. Okay. So yeah, I would consider a dating app match. Um, okay, Cupid, plenty of fish. I don't know if I'm missing any of the other. Not nah, all deleted. Big guys, yeah. Grinder. You probably weren't on Grinder though. I'm a, he- I'm, I'm a heterosexual, so no. Right. I, I don't know sure if you just wanted to kind of just check in every so often. Yeah, yeah you know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, boost the ego. See. All right. <laughs> kind of play the field a little. Like, just have like a few people hit on you, and you're like, all right, cool. Like, just wanted to see like how it was. And... You know, Lanza still got it. You know, and then, <laughs> right, yes, and then delete, gotta... get, get out of there, right? No, I. Uh, Never tested out the grinder, Rich. Sorry okay. to disappoint, but uh, no, I have uh, zero dating apps on my phone right now. Because you were a Craigslist guy too, so I won't count. But the, the, is there an app for Craigslist? Okay, now listen. 
Craigslist is just for grimy <laughs> 4 a.m. hookups. That's that's not dating. You're right. That's why. That's why I guess I had a, when you asked what do you consider a dating app is is, is a big difference there because nobody found a relationship on Craigslist ever. I. But I will say this. It's funny because you know the Craigslist is just for the grimiest of hookups. It's even dirtier than Tinder. It's worse than Plenty of Fish. Uh, you know, you you, you you know, you put out a little bait. You throw an ad out there. You get a response at three thirty in the morning, and she they're always it's always the same story. You know, you ask them, "What are you doing on Craigslist uh, at three thirty in the morning?" Uh, you know, answering personal ads, and they always say, "Oh, I've never done this before. I was <laughs> my first time. I, I was I was looking for a stool." And I just, uh, you know, I was looking for a desk. Yeah, I needed, I needed a new, uh, new dresser, and it just so happened that, you know, I, uh, I didn't even know there were personals on here, and I just, uh, you know, <laughs> I stumbled over. Yeah, okay, sure. And then, you know, it's very easy not to, uh, uh, like, it, I think it's very hard on Craigslist to not go where you need to be. It's like very easy to know where you're at on Craigslist. No, of course, and then <laughs> like you know when you're in the furniture section yes. and when you're in the male seeking female section. Like there's the a furniture big section yeah. is very distinct from the casual encounter section. Okay? <laughs> right. Yes. Right. Right. So it's like they're always full of shit, and then 40 minutes later, I'm in their bathroom having a little chat with the man in the mirror, trying to see if I can go through with it. You know what I mean? I mean that's how it goes every time. But uh, no, no more Craigslist, no more dating apps. They're all uh, there's wow. none on my phone here. So uh, uh, go ahead, fire away if you want. I mean, this no, is I, that's all the questions I have. That's we it. Got, that's we got a loaded show here. I mean, we got uh, you know, arguably this. Okay, it's the second biggest. As I change the subject quickly, as I turn on a dime here. <laughs> See, you get awkward. See, it's always me. Then ah, I got you. I find that we. I got I got to rip the lands of code by. There's no lands of code. I got a reputation. Commitment. Oh. <laughs> I, listen, I am not no, a man. No, you're Mr. Committed. No, I know that. That's... I'm a man of commitment, okay? I may I may be a wild man when I'm single, but as you know, Joe Lanza can commit. Oh, when he locks down, he locks in, yeah. Let me tell you something. I got a collection of returned engagement rings upstairs to prove that I'm a man of commitment, okay? So <laughs> don't tell me that I can't commit. I, I've put years into these things, uh, but but yeah, so. Uh, it, change. Get it out now because we got a lot to do. We I got, got nothing. No, I'm done. I'm good. You're not going to pepper. I always harass you, and you're not going to harass no, me. No, I never. I would never do that. Okay. All I'll, right. I'll let the listeners do it. I'll let the listeners They're going to be annoyed with you. You know that. The no, listeners. but they're going to go after you, though. They're going to go. No, I disagree. I think the listeners are going to go after you for not pressing me on this. Nah. Because this is strange that I don't have any more dating apps on the phone, and you, you, you're just letting it go. You got no follow-up questions. You're not hammering me. I don't want to get, you know, I, I don't know who listens to this show. I don't know if, you know. Friends of yours listen to the show. I don't want anybody, you know. You act like I mean, there's going to be a mob hit involved now. Uh, yeah, Friends I, don't know. I don't know. They might be a little. Uh, they might be a little worried. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. No, I don't. I, I'll let. I'll let everybody ask you on Twitter what what what's going on. So. I, I'm telling you right now, you're the one that's going to get hammered here. No, that's fine. I don't care. I think they're gonna they're they're gonna bury you. They're gonna say you should because I think answer. I know. So I don't want to be like, uh, what am I investigating here? You know. I don't know. I, I gave you an opportunity to fire away. You didn't take the opportunity. That's fine. Listen, I think you might have mentioned uh, a certain someone by name a few weeks ago. So there you go. Did I? Yeah, there's a little Easter egg for people. If they, I, I think you did because we talked about um, if it's if it is if if the one that you have decided is worthy of deleting dating apps is the same name that we mentioned that was pretty, uh, like yeah, a cute are name. Are you referring to the lovely Brittany? Uh, yes. That may be why I deleted. The ah, see, that, see, that that's I'm leaving Easter egg. I'm letting people do the work for. Her. I don't need to be doing the work out here. We have avid listeners that will say, "Ha, huh, Joe mentioned two weeks ago that there was a girl in his life." Like, I want them to do that. I don't. I'm not just going to put it all out there for you. 
let people explore, let people think a little bit, you know? So it makes us the greatest podcast in the world. It's a thinking, it's a thinking podcast right here. It's definitely the uh, most popular podcast in Isle of Man. That's oh, absolutely. Saying. Yeah. No, undoubtedly. Let me ask you a question, Rich. Yeah. Let's pivot back away from this. Yeah, okay. Listen, I have a reputation to uphold. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> the, uh, the, the SummerSlam weekend is the second biggest weekend of the WWE. WWE I, I almost said WWF. The WWE calendar, correct? I would put it as, as such, yes. But do you think the SummerSlam or <clears throat> I'm choking now. You know You're what? A mess. I was You're the wreck. I was I was you flustered me. You flustered me. <laughs> you do do you I was eating popcorn before the podcast, which was like what the, the worst last thing, thing ever eat. Yeah, what would possess you? I'm gonna eat a salty thing that takes every little bit of fluid in my mouth and destroys it. <laughs> and gets and caught the in the back of your throat. <laughs> right. And gets caught in my teeth in the back of my throat. And then I'm gonna talk for, you know, two to three hours. If you're a broadcasting professional, as we are, you shouldn't eat popcorn before you do a broadcast. But uh, so now I'm choking over here, and I'm on one of my final cans of Coke Zero to wash it down. But so if summer, if the SummerSlam weekend is the second biggest weekend of the WWE calendar, uh, do, do you think, do, in your opinion, is SummerSlam the second biggest show of the WWE calendar, or is it still the Royal Rumble? Yeah, well, I used to traditionally think it was SummerSlam, but I think in recent years, Royal Rumble has sort of taken over that uh, that that second biggest show type thing. And 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 arguably, I mean, because the thing is that NXT Brooklyn is still a pretty big deal. So I think that, like you're saying, brings the weekend up to the second because that is one of their big weekends. Whereas the Royal Rumble weekend hasn't really been established yet for NXT. I mean, obviously they did it this past year, uh, but that hasn't quite been established quite yet. So yeah, I would. See, because SummerSlam, growing up, like SummerSlam was the second biggest one of the year. It was absolutely the second. I mean, Royal Rumble always was a big deal, but it, it seemed to, in my mind, it always was WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and then Royal Rumble. I would always put, you know, one, two, three. But in recent years, the Royal Rumble has taken on a, a little bit more of an importance, and they seem to build it up a little bit more as being that second one because it is also the, you know, the beginning of WrestleMania. It always, ha- it always has been the beginning of WrestleMania season, but now they really hone that in more than they ever did you know, prior. So yeah, I would probably put Royal Rumble two and SummerSlam three, but I don't know that it's traditionally always been that way. But you agree that this weekend is bigger than the Royal Rumble weekend. I do. Yeah. Cause I think in, 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 when you combine the two, I think SummerSlam, yeah, I think Rumble is better than summer or bigger than SummerSlam, but NXT uh, Brooklyn or whatever is a huge deal. I mean, they're that's on their the, third that, one. That's the NXT WrestleMania. Yeah, exactly. So that sort of humps it up a little bit more then. So that whole weekend itself, you have, you know, the third biggest show with with NXT's biggest show, that puts it, I would say, above uh, above Rumble. And, and then Survivor it's Series. Got Ro- it's got Roman numerals, Rich. Exactly. I mean, that's a big deal. And and Survivor Series, don't, that's not even in the conversation anymore. That's so far gone. No, I, I agree. I think that, uh, I think SummerSlam has now surpassed the Royal Rumble as the second biggest show of the year. I think that they're at least trying to present it that way. Um. You this think show, the actual WWE SummerSlam is is the number two show? Yes. Okay. I, because they, they did a 19-hour show this year with 1,000 matches. And, uh, you know, when you combine in, like you said, the biggest takeover of the year, and, you know, they, they, they go to New York every year now. And I think they're trying to present SummerSlam as the second biggest show. I, I see. I don't know. Like, see, I don't think you're you're off base saying you still think it's the world. Because I, I don't know if the fans necessarily agree. But I'm interested in taking the temperature among the listeners what they think whether it's the Royal Rumble 
or the SummerSlam. Well, I'm at a point now where Royal Rumble is my number one favorite show because uh, WrestleMania has has plummeted down the list after uh, last year's nine hour extravaganza. So, I mean, well, look, you know, it's like we talk about it all the time. I mean, they, they, WrestleMania is its own thing, you know. Um, and and I guess this is a good transition. Into, it's about moments too. I don't know if you were aware of that, but like WrestleMania, more so than the matches, you know, the bell to bell in ring. Uh, it's more about the moments that are happen around the, the the WrestleMania, like when Pitbull comes out, or when Florida comes out, or when The Rock you know has a flamethrower or whatever. Those are what it's about. Not necessarily, you know, the bell to bell, Joe. I'm not sure if you uh, picked up on that in recent years, but it is it, it is seemingly more about the entrances and the moments than it is uh, the actual matches. So. You make a great point. I never thought of that. <laughs> you make a great point. I never thought of that. I'm gonna write a column about that. Go, well, by the time you guys listen to this, I'll have a column up on Voices of Wrestling with this. Uh, this hot take of all hot takes. So there you go. But I think this 19 hour show was a far better show than WrestleMania. WrestleMania hasn't been a good show in a number of years. Um, this show. Now you made an excellent point on Twitter where uh, I, I don't, I'm going to paraphrase you. Maybe you have the quote, uh, the exact quote, but you know, uh, even when WWE main roster shows are good, they feel like a chore, you know? And uh, I think that was, um, a perfect description of this SummerSlam show because, you know, there was a lot of good matches on this show, but the problem was the show was so long and there was so much utter shit in between the good that you come away from this show and you don't feel like you watched a good show. So Rich, let me propose this to you. Okay. If we rearranged the matches on this SummerSlam show, to a more Japanese style show structure where they backload all the stuff that they know is going to be good. Are you coming away from this show feeling better than you actually did on Sunday? In other words, if they closed the show with the United States title match, the two tag team title matches, the four way for the WWE universal championship, uh, maybe one of the women's matches, take your pick and okay. You have to shoehorn Jinder Mahal, Shinsuke Nakamura in there because it was the second biggest match in the show. So you do have that one dud mixed in among all of those really strong matches. Do, do you come away from this show feeling better about it? You know, I, I don't think I do. And, and the big reason I come up with that, and because and, this has been a discussion on our forums, uh, voicewrestling.com uh, slash forums right now, is about, you know, the structure of the show and the length of the show and, and sort of stuff has been a, it's been an interesting discussion too, because people are bringing up, you know, the New Japan style and, and how their shows are structured. To me, the issue isn't not necessarily how the show was structured, because we're going to talk about it too. There were weird ebbs and flows in this match, in the show, where you had like really good stuff. And then after that was something shitty and then something shitty after that. And then it would get good again. And then it gets shitty. And then it would get, so you had that, like the roller coaster ride of like, good, bad, good, bad good bad but the thing with me and, and the reason why i don't think that that would help all that much is because are you still going to give me big cast and big show are you still going to give me john cena baron corbin am i still going to get nakamura and mahal am i still going to get uh you know those those matches that really i the very wyatt uh um finn balor which was, was okay but still like you know ultimately kind of worthless like that's the thing to me that that is the bad was so bad on this show that it dragged down everything else and then when it's all said and done there are good things in your mind, but then that bad is just so bad. And, and you don't get that really with like a new Japan style show or, or, or most other cards. Like they don't have stuff that's as shitty as big show and big cast. Like that was horrible. And that was, okay. okay. I, I agree. But let's say that there was, um, you know, an invasion attack or uh, not even necessarily new Japan, any huge, you know, Japanese, uh, you know, any Japanese promotion, their biggest show of the year. And we all Japanese promotions all structure their shows in a similar manner where they backload all the good stuff. And the front half of the show did have a bunch of utter shit. 
But the last five or six matches were just killer matches. Like New Japan is apt to do, you know, come, you know, Wrestle Kingdom time or whatever. You're telling me that you're still going to have the same focus on that first half if it was utter shit. If they blow you away with, oh great no, matches no, no. I mean, in, in totality, no. I mean, I think you're going to come away going, wow, that was a really, you, you know, yeah. yeah I think a, you're overall. Kinda, so that's the point I'm making. So let's say, all right. So look at it this way: if you take the Usos New Day match, which was in the pre-show. To the point where you don't even remember it by the end of this fucking thing because it's so long. And I thought that was one of the best tag team matches of the year. Yeah, that was incredible. Yeah, uh, so you did go back and watch. I, did, I, I, went back, didn't watch yeah, I mean, how do you not after all those people are talking about it? I mean, you got to go back yeah, and you watch have that to. One, so. You have to. You take that. Uh, the other tag team, ma- tag team title match was excellent too. With, yeah. you know, the Shield versus Sarah and, and, and Sheamus. AJ Styles, Kevin Owens was fine. It wasn't a terrible match. It may not have been great. Uh, I liked it better than most people did. But and, uh, the, the, the main event was excellent. Uh, so there's a lot of good here. If you backload all that and, and throw in, you know, Sasha Banks, Alexa Bliss, and the 205 Live match, and those are your final six or seven matches on the show, and you have Randy Orton, Rusev, and 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 Big Show, Cass, and the the the, the, the awful, uh, you know, um, uh, Hardy's six man, which was a nothing match, and and all the other shit on the show. Front load all of that. I, you know. To me, I think you come away from this show feeling better because there really was, a, especially compared to WrestleMania, where there was nothing. I mean, you take away that AJ Styles Shane McMahon match and and the the spectacle of the the Goldberg Brock Lesnar match, and WrestleMania was a horrendous. It was a horrendous show, even with those two matches. But I mean, that, those are the only two matches of any sort of value that that show had. Um, so this show, I thought, blew away WrestleMania. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah, I agree. WrestleMania is one of my least favorite shows I've, I've almost ever seen. Like, that that, so, that show's fucking sucked. I hated that show. So why are people coming away from this show with this idea that it was, eh, it was all right? I thought there was a lot of good matches here. I really do believe it's because of the way they structure the shows. You go through these, you get this incredible high of this of this New Day Usos match, which I, I thought it topped the Battleground match. And I thought that was a great match. And then you just get this utter shit for like an hour. You know, and then before you get anything else that you can sink your teeth into. And I'm talking shit, Rich. I mean, there was some shit that we're going to talk about. In show. <laughs> there was certainly shit in this show, yeah. It's, uh, you know, but then, yeah. then, like, every other match was really good. You know, that was the pattern for the rest of the show. And I thought there were some really awesome matches on the show. I mean, we both did the review. I went, you know, I went over four. I went four stars or better on three matches on this show. And I think I went, th- like, three and a half stars or better on, like, three others. That's a pretty damn good show if it's a three-hour show. The problem is this is a six-hour show. And there's so much shit in between. The problem with these WWE mega shows is they're a lot like Raw, right? You're never going to have a start to finish Raw that you love because it's a variety show. They're going to give you comedy. They're going to give you, um, you know, 205 Live, the women, the heavy. They're going to give you various divisions. And you're going to be into some of it and you're going to not be into some of it. Maybe you're someone who doesn't like the backstage stuff, whatever the case. You get these long six hour WWE mega shows, it's the same thing. You're getting a variety show. And I don't think. We're ever anyone's ever going to be completely happy top to bottom with a WrestleMania or a SummerSlam ever again because it's just there's always going to be garbage, absolute garbage, like the likes of which we saw on this and which we saw a lot of at WrestleMania. We yeah, it, one, one of the things actually, one of the reasons why I made that tweet that you're talking about, uh, the one where I said, you know, NXT because uh, I was watching NXT Takeover and and I just watched SummerSlam, you know, a day prior. I, I catching up on takeover and that's why i made that tweet and i said you know even good wwe feels like a chore and nxt feels like a gift 
and if NXT feels like you're getting ice cream and WWE feels like you have to go to a restaurant with like your family and it's like, yeah, I'm going to get like, I'll have good food or whatever, but like, it's going to be annoying and I'm going to hear a bunch of stuff I don't want to hear and like people are going to argue and it's just going to be, it's just a pain in the ass. Like it's, it's fine and it's okay. And like the meals are all right. And I got food and that's always cool, but I just don't really want to do it. It was like, I kind of had to do it. Like every Sunday we have to go with our family and, and, and eat this meal and, and whatever the food's okay, but it's like, ah, I just don't. And the reason I was bringing that up is, is, is a lot of it for me isn't necessarily how good or bad the matches are, how good or bad the stories are and stuff. It, that, that plays a big part in it. But for me, WWE is really grinding on me from a production standpoint is it, it's exhausting to sit there for four hours and hear the big dog, the demon king, the demon king, his yard, Braun Strowman, the intellectual. The, it's just like this. Nobody t- talks how people talk. Every word coming out of their mouth is some buzzword, some nickname, some just something. It, 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 Corporate Michael, speak. Yeah, it's just it's exhausting. And then the camera's fucking shaking every second. And, you know, they're cutting every two seconds. And they're going to crowd shots. And, and Michael Cole's spouting out some random catchphrase, some random nickname or whatever. It's just fucking exhausting. And then they go backstage and and like Daniel Bryan and Kurt Angle have to talk like humans would never ever talk. And people have to look at the monitor weird. It's just, it doesn't exist in a normal universe. And it's exhausting to sit there for four hours and listen to this. And the reason I, I, I kind of thought of that is I'm sitting there, you know, the nurse is home and she's, she's kind of watching it off to the side. And she is just like, how many times are they going to say that that's that guy's nickname? And I was like, I, you're, you're preaching the choir. She, during the Finn Balor match said, we know he's the Demon King. Why do they keep calling him the Demon King? And I was like, well, I, that's his nickname, the Demon Finn Balor. He's the Demon. He's the Demon King or whatever. And she started counting how many times they said Demon or Demon King. And it's like, it's exhausting. It's so much. And it, it's just overall, like nobody talks like humans talk. None of the characters act like how humans act. None of the stories are rooted in anything of reality. It, it's just this weird universe that that it's just... So that's, that's what I brought up is like, you're watching TakeOver and I, everything in TakeOver is like these normal people that yeah, they're, they're the volume's turned up a little bit. Sanity is obviously a little turned off. The yeah, it's, it's, still, turned it's still pro wrestling. It's still wrestling. It's wrestling, but you can at least sanity looks like and talks like people that exist outside the WWE universe. The Office of Pain, they wear flak jackets or whatever, but you can see those dudes like they look like human beings. They talk like human beings. They act like human beings. The announcers, they speak normal. The commentating is 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 you know it, it, it's fine. It's normal. They 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 talk about things in real life. They bring up background of stuff and they don't just spew out nicknames and. And catchphrases every two seconds, every you know, oh, the, the, and um, the other factor of it too is the production side of, of NXT. You look at it, it's clean, they're not shaking the camera every two seconds, they're not cutting to the crowd after every single big move or whatever. And one of the things cool that, that's awesome as well is that you have, uh, and the big moment I remember is, is, and it really hooked me at the end of the Ember Moon uh, Oscar match, is that Ember Moon loses and they the camera just stays on Ember Moon, just stays there for like three minutes while she's getting up. While the crowd slowly but surely starts clapping for her, while she sort of realizes shit that was so close and I just missed it, and then you know instead of just cutting away and then having her go outside and, and go to some pre tape and then talking about you know what's going on and talk about the app and WWE Network and all this sort of stuff is that they have a moment where everyone just sits in there silence. It's just silence as the crowd slowly but surely starts clapping for her and is like, yeah, you know what, you lost. That's a great effort. That was good. You get you gave it your all there. You just couldn't win on this night. And that's like that's where you can hook in emotionally. You go, okay, cool. Like that's a human being right there that's pissed that she lost. And, and here's a crowd that's 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 giving the, the the character and the human being and saying, Hey, look, you tried your hardest, you did what you could, you just this wasn't your night, both for the character and for the human. And it's like that's that that how do you not get emotionally attached to that? And then you watch SummerSlam. And it's how do you I, I can't fathom anybody 
who can be emotionally attached to anything going on in SummerSlam. No. None of the characters. I mean, who, who, like, I like Brock Lesnar because Brock Lesnar is different. He's the only guy that I care about on, in that company right now, really, because he's so different and so unique. There, and, yeah, it, it's very few people that you can really latch on to. Because, because he's the, a person. He's a human being. Again, yeah, like, I talk about it all the time. Brock Lesnar exists outside of the WWE Universe. And make sure to tell you that he exists outside of the Universe. They, they find a way. I mean, you know, and there's, you know, I would argue there's a couple others, maybe, at least for me personally, but they always find a way to fuck it up. I, they will fuck it up somehow, like with Neville or whoever else. Uh, there, you know, there, there's some people I can latch on to, but you're right. They will always find a way to fuck it up. And, and these shows, and that's kind of bit like my point too, you, you know, in where I should have really enjoyed this show because it was, oh, a, lot a, of, it was a good show. It was all in all a good show. Yeah. Cause it was a lot of good stuff on it. But at the end of the day, when I turn off my WWE network and I sit down to write a review for our site or sit down to write a review for FSM, I feel like I didn't enjoy it. And I think it's for all of the reasons you say, and the fact that it's so fucking long, and the fact that there's so much stuff that's bad, and the fact that you're right, it's exhausting to watch this company. And NXT is such an easy company to watch. Rich, it's one hour a week, and then there's four big shows a year, and they all have focus, and they all have purpose. And, you know, it, it's like there's there's finality, too. Within it, like the champion will lose and he'll leave the territory, mm-hmm. you know. And it's oh, like I'm so glad you mentioned that. I'm gonna go on with your point, but I want to remember that. Put a little. Well, the only other that, thing so. I was gonna say was the stories, more often than not in NXT, have a satisfying conclusion, even if it's not the good guy, you know, coming out on top in the end. What I was gonna bring up, and and I, I thought of it while watching NXT as well, is one thing that just makes it so much better and so much cooler is, and, and you mentioned the old territory days, like a guy loses and he goes, is that you get something fresh with NXT almost on a, on a yearly basis. It's like a complete turnover of guys come in, guys come out, girls come in, they come out. They, you know, they, they, they rise up, they rise down, they move, they do this. Everything has consequence. Everything is like hierarchy. And you know that, Hey, look, if, if this guy annoys me, cause I was thinking of Bobby Roode, Bobby Roode is a guy I did. I didn't enjoy the Bobby Roode NXT run or whatever. Well, he's done. Uh, there was a year he was on top. I didn't like it. Whatever. He's gone now. It's not like then you now you're like, oh, Jesus, we have another decade of this guy. Dolph Ziggler has been in. Uh, we, we've talked about that, how ridiculous it is. Dolph Ziggler has been there for what? A, a, like 10 years, 11 years. Kofi Kingston has been there an ungodly amount. We were having that conversation about the Usos where they had just been there so much is that nobody moves. Nobody changes. Nothing. It, it, again, like I talk about this bubble universe. It's like people get into this bubble and they can't leave and they can't escape and they can't move and they can't do anything. And for fans, it's kind of exhausting sometimes because you just want to have a new story, a new a, a new look, a new movie sometimes. And it's really not. It's just moving pieces around, and eventually they just they come back together. Okay, it's this guy again. It's that, you know, there's never any freshness to it. There's never any – you can take a deep breath and go, okay, cool. They're, after this takeover, NXT feels nothing like it did when I went to NXT TakeOver Chicago in, in April. I mean, now you got Adam Cole in there. You got Bobby Fish. You got you know Kyle O'Reilly. Those guys weren't even in there. You got Drew McIntyre as the champion. He was he was barely in the company at that point. You know, he had just kind of really uh, debuted or, or was just kind of getting going a little bit. I mean, you have just totally different things in a few months, and it makes it feel fresh. It makes it feel different. It makes it feel like all right, cool. Like I got to kind of see what's going on here. Like, and hey, if I don't like something, I know that it's I'm not stuck with that thing that I don't like for the next decade. Correct. I can go, you know, I don't like Bobby Roode. He doesn't do it for me. But look. Long-term, how long is Bobby Roode going to be here? Two right. years, tops? Oh, he's here a year? Okay, whatever. And then, like, his moment, and he, he lost, and he was over, and he moved on, and it's like, all right, cool. You know, every, I think everybody was kind of ready for Bobby Roode to move on. And that's the thing that's kind of cool is people understand and fans understand, okay, guys are going to have their little runs, and then they're done, and then they move on. Right. And then you also have runs like Asuka, where it's like, oh, man, like, I really thought that was going to be it for her, and that can play up a pretty cool story, too. 
when now you're predicting and guessing, okay, well, when are they going to leave? Because it just feels like movement. And that's something that used to work so well in the territory days of wrestling is that, you know, guys would come and go and they would come in and they'd be fresh. You know, Drew McIntyre goes away and comes back and he's fresh and he feels different. He feels unique. Right. And guys would move it. But in WWE, nobody moves. So you guys come in. You know, but... and, now, and you know, when it comes to the main roster, yeah, now more than ever, they never release anybody. No, it's been the same roster for five, six years now. They never release anybody. The and the guys time... they released are all back. <laughs> like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last time they, they they did a mass purging, all of those people were brought back. You're right. But, but you know, the last year and a half or two years or, or you know, anyone who leaves that company leaves on their own volition. It's amazing. They just hoard this talent. And you're right. It, it makes, you know, they add, but they never, sub- it seem- they seemingly never subtract. And it does make things stale. And NXT always feels fresh. Now, NXT has its ups and downs. But listen, any wrestling promotion is going to have its ups and downs. Any wrestling territory in the old days, you know, had their ups and downs. And, and NXT does. But Rich, NXT is never terrible. You know, they'll go through stretches where they have a couple months of TV that are, that are eh, you know what I mean? You're not crazy about it. It's not appointment viewing. But then they go through runs like they've had recently where it's just awesome, you know, and, and like they've had in the past. And when it comes to the takeovers, they never, ever aren't less than great. I yeah. think NXT TakeOver, more than any other big show in the world on your wrestling calendar, is, oh, is the strongest lock to deliver more than any other show in the world. What would you, I mean, would you make an argument for another show? I mean, I suppose you can make an argument for Wrestle Kingdom over the last three years or so, right? But that's yeah, like, but like you're saying, the undercards are always kind of like NXT is is, is nearly yes. perfect in two hours. Like a exactly. Wrestle Kingdom will get a little bit long in the tooth, where it's like, all right, like it's been like five hours, and and we of course had a lot of shit at the beginning. The first hour was was shit, and yeah, the last like you said, we leave with the last two hours, the last hour and a half being incredible. So we always have a good feeling about it, right. but it, you know, overall, like NXT, you know, top to bottom, top to bottom. you're gonna get. I mean, the worst match is gonna be good. <laughs> the worst thing you're gonna see on a takeover is just gonna be fine. I mean, and historically, what has takeover? What what's been the floor? The floor has been very good. There were a few that were very good, and those were the worst ones. The rest right. of them have been great. Show of the year contenders almost every time out. It's the surest bet in wrestling, and it's funny because we'll preview these things, and people were previewed. It. We weren't super high on this coming in on paper, but we must have said two or three times, "Look, we know it's going to fucking deliver." Right, never bet against it is what we (laughs) said. You can't bet against it. It delivers every single time. Let's go through the SummerSlam card. We'll start with that first. Um, The pre-show. Did you did you specifically and only watch the tag team match? Yeah, I've only watched. I only watched the Usos one. I didn't watch the others. I have brief thoughts on the others. Uh, The Miz and the Miztourage Taraj defeat the Hardys and Jason Jordan. Here's what they need to do. We saw it with uh, Ryback and Callisto at WrestleMania a couple years ago. We saw it at WrestleMania this year for some of the pre-show matches, and now we've seen it here at SummerSlam. This is embarrassing when they send out these wrestlers to wrestle in front of 100 people. Um, we tweeted out, we retweeted some of the uh, tweets that came in of people who were live in the building. Oh my God, they were ghastly. There was like 30 people there. Rich, I'm not. Ex- this is not hyperbole. I'm not exaggerating. There may have been a hundred people in the building when all six of these men hit the ring. It's embarrassing. I mean, it started to fill during the match, uh, you know, ringside at least. But when they first entered the building, there was no, literally nobody there. It's embarrassing. I think it's. I think you're embarrassing your talent. I think it's humiliating. You know, the Hardy guys like the Hardy Boys and the Miz. They've been in this company forever. They deserve better than that, right? I mean, to, to get sent out there. To wrestle in front of 100 people. I mean, it's humiliating. 
if they're going to insist on having these six-hour shows and they're going to insist on putting a match in the ring at what was it local time? Five forty or something? Six forty? Am I if I am I off an hour? I you know we're Central Time. Yeah, six forty. Yeah. So for us it was well, no, God, it was four forty for us, wasn't it? Because our yeah. show started at six for, so for was, Central Time. It so four forty for us. So three forty real time, like local time. These guys are hitting the ring or whatever it is. We might be off an hour. All right. All right. Five forty. Five forty. Yeah. So they're yeah, okay. So they're five five forty. These guys are hitting the ring, and there's a hundred people there. I mean, this is embarrassing. If they're going to insist on doing this, can they at least have a couple of NXT kids go out there, or some prelim guys, or some undercard dudes? You don't send veterans out there and and leave them hanging out to dry. How much do you feel if you're Matt Hardy going out to wrestle in front of a hundred people? I mean, it's humiliating. It's embarrassing. Oh, and they were all tweeting about it too. And I'm sure it wasn't like a fruit. I mean, they were kind of. You're doing it lighthearted, but yeah, you could you could sense that uh, there were some people a little. Uh, Are you going to go out there and work hard? Oh I God, mean, no! And they didn't. They didn't. Okay, nothing happened in this match until the closing stretch. They went out there and fucked around until the closing stretch, and I don't fucking blame them. I'm not going out there and killing myself in front of a hundred people. It's, this is embarrassing. They got to stop doing this. You know, it's uh, it was the same thing. Remember Ryback and Callisto? How embarrassing that looked. Oh yeah, yeah, and that was. Well, that would that too. Like there might have been two thousand people in that place, but you know it, it, it seats a hundred thousand, so it yeah. looks ridiculous. Yeah, and, and it's broad daylight. You see, yeah. Oh no, it's yeah. It's it, well, and optics that's, are horrible. It's just, and this is what I bring up about the pre-show, and the reason why I don't watch the pre-show is because I'm not giving you another two hours. If I knew that that the first hour and forty minutes of the pre-show were, were you know Corey Graves and Lita, you know, spouting off randomness or whatever, then okay, whatever. I'm going to skip that part. But then I know that the last 20 minutes are the matches, but now they've done this thing where they kind of sprinkle the matches in there. And it's like, I'm not going to sit there for two hours before I have to sit for four hours and sit here and watch a show. Like it, it, you're not taking that much of my Sunday from me for, for one match where guys aren't going to try because no one's in the building yet because people haven't arrived yet and they're not going to arrive in, in, until it gets a little closer because they also don't want to waste their entire Sunday doing this. So you got people that don't want to work. Uh, you got nobody in the crowd. It just looks like shit. And then you're forcing people at home that really want to watch this show and, and want to watch it, all of the matches. They now have to sit down and get ready for six hours of this thing. And it's just, it, it, you don't need it. It's too much. Like, if you're going to put the pre-show matches, do like the old school. Do, do right before you go live or whatever. Or, or you know, the last yeah, 20 about, minutes or whatever. Look, That's get, fine. If you got to do three of them, why not cram all three of them into the last 40 minutes so there's some people there? I mean, you know, would it kill him to do that? I mean, why do you got to send send them out there when there's no one in the building yet? That's my biggest problem with it. And look, again, make them make them legitimate prelim matches. You know what I mean? Send uh, send the Street Profits out there to wrestle somebody. You know, do something like that where it's, you know, kids or NXT. You know, these are – they had a two title matches on this pre-show, Rich. They had two title matches and the Hardy Boys. I mean, come on. Yeah, I, I don't know. I have a major problem with that. I just, I, I, I'm not a fan of that at all. And then you had Neville winning the title back from Akira Tozawa. I mean, you know, this is why I had such a bad taste in my mouth. <laughs> Tozawa won the title on Raw. It was very obvious that Neville was just going to win it right back at SummerSlam. Uh, not only that, they put it on the, this this dopey pre-show, which totally renders not only Tozawa's title win meaningless. Not only was it, it wasn't a very good match on Raw, and this wasn't a very good match either. These guys just aren't having very good matches. They're having average matches. That's not the biggest problem, though. The biggest problem is Tazawa's win uh, is not only rendered meaningless, it actually ends up diluting Neville. Why interrupt Neville's great title run with this silly, switchy title uh, switch? Uh, what was the point? What was the fucking know. point? 
And that's why you can't, yeah. I talk about investment. And and it's like you you have something there. You have something that could really work with Neville, where you, where you build it up. It's a it's a defining a a, a genre, a show, uh, a, a division defining you know championship. A guy really reinventing his career. And you just say, ah, fuck it, let's have him lose his title. Ah, no, let's get back to it. Like, what? Why? You know, <laughs> why, there there was. I do that. There was a rumor Neville was Neville would have a program with Pete Dunne, but then Pete Dunne busted open his eye. But you know, even if that's the case, why not? Uh, you know, uh, make sure that you're going to do that. Yeah, but they do this shit all the time. Like, I know people were trying to like come up with logic for it, and, and that's fine. But again, like we'd say all the time with WWE logic, the guy running the show has no fucking logic in his head and doesn't care about logic and doesn't really. So you like worrying about okay, well, here's what. Mm, oh, you know, it probably was because it. No, the guy just thinks it and then does it and then thinks it again. Like that, that don't there's no reason to to wreck your brain over it. He does these type of things all the time. I mean, how many times Sasha Banks is like a five time women's champion, right? Because they just give her the title and then she loses it for no reason. Why not? Ah, fuck it, whatever. She's gonna do it again. Neville, She's probably gonna do it again. Yeah. Devil run was so good. Oh, I yeah. You know, and this really taints it, and it and it hurts. It hurts both guys, in my opinion. It hurts Neville's run, and it did nothing for Tazawa. Well, contrast it to, to to say Oscar lost to Peyton Royce uh, three weeks into her run, and then got it back, and then went on like a year long run. Or yeah, I yeah. always say you can't rebottle it. That one, right. you have that one big thing, make it matter, make it count. And we're seeing on the, the contrast of the two shows, NXT is making the Oscar thing count, and the Neville thing ultimately they made it not count uh, by just deciding, yeah, fuck it, yeah, let's do a title shot. So, so disappointing. Um, you know, I also don't. Th- I, I know people like Titus worldwide. I know they enjoy. I'm not. Look, I have no problem with Titus O'Neil as a manager. I think that's the best role for him, actually, because I think he's a terrible wrestler. I don't have a problem with Titus worldwide. I think that's a good idea. I don't think Akira Tozawa needs Titus O'Neil or Titus worldwide. No, and that's always. I think we're always going to skew on that side because we understand what Akira Tozawa is capable of. Whereas, oh, well, I, well, here's I think- the thing. I don't. You know what, though, Rich? I I would say that it's not just us who understand that because. Even before the Titus O'Neil connection, he was one of the few guys on 205 Live who managed to secure a connection with the crowd because of his overwhelming career. Oh, because he's a Kiritazawa, and he's always going to do that. Yeah, he's a Kiritazawa. He's one of the most charismatic guys on the roster. He's easily uh, one of the most charismatic guys on 205 Live, and he was getting over with those lousy 205 Live crowds without Titus O'Neil. This is like the last guy on the 205 Live roster, with the exception (laughs) of Neville, who's also awesome, who needs a fucking manager. He does not. Aria Davari needs a manager. Okay. Drew Gulak needs a manager. Uh, Lindsay Dorado needs a manager. Akira Tozawa does not need a manager. He's the last guy on this roster who needs a manager. What's it? Dorado, what's it? Dorado needs a search party because I think they think that Graham Metallic and Lindsay Dorado are the same person because they both can't be on the show at the same time or they both can't like be used. So now they started using Grand Metallic a little bit more and now Lindsay Dorado is nowhere to be found. So Yeah, and I mean, Lindsay Dorado was basically an enhancement <laughs> guy anyway, but that, that's fine. You know, the world needs ditch diggers. We talk about it all the time. Sure. But you're right. Like, But you can't have two guys with a mask. You don't <laughs> no, want to confuse them. We're going to be confused. How are you going to be able to tell them? One guy that's, you know, that, that's... They're under- not even like the same ethnicity. Like mm. one guy's a, an American who's Puerto Rican, correct? And the other guy is a Mexican. <laughs> but they still think you're going to confuse them. It's it, it's amazing, you know. But this is a company. One has ears on his mask, and the other is Gramatelli. Yeah, so. yeah, right. Their costumes don't look alike, you know. <laughs> it, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, you know, so it, it, I just the whole Tazawa thing, very disappointing. Um, you know, everything about it is just super disappointing. I, except for that damn Senton fin- finisher. I mean, he stopped using the uh, Dragon Suplex. The um, not oh, straight jacket suplex, suplex, the, the, the straight the, jacket German, yeah, yeah. The, the German, the snap German suplex, which I thought was a cooler finish, but it's like 
This senton, though, the air that he gets on this thing. I mean, effort's not a problem from Tozawa. No, and it looks great. It, it looks great every single time. But the problem is him and Neville, I don't think, have had great matches. I think they've had average matches. I think Neville's matches with Austin Aries blew these matches away. Um, you know, all things can, all things being equal, all things considered, I understand that this... But look, hey, Neville's Austin Aries match was a pre-show at WrestleMania, too. So I, right. it's not. It's kind of apples to apples, really. But um, I, I just haven't... I don't know. And you would think that Neville and Tozawa would work better together. It's not like they're having bad matches, but Rich, I don't know. I don't think much of these matches at all. I just think they're average matches. Yeah, they, they've kind of just been plotting around, so... Okay, so here's a feud where they ha- the matches have been fantastic, and that's the Usos and New Day. Usos win the titles back from Big E and, and Xavier Woods. Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston won the titles at Battleground from the Usos. Or no, or was that the count-out finish? I get confused. They had a count-out finish at some point too, right? What was the battle? Yeah, the Battleground match was the title switch, right? That, I believe. Let me let me make sure. Yeah, they've kind of, they're, they're starting to... Uh, I'll talk through the match. Yeah, yeah let, me, let me find that out for sure. But I thought this was better than the Battleground match, which I thought was excellent. The Battleground match was the match that took place the same day as the great Dragon Gate Twin Gate match at, at Kobe World. So yeah, uh, that is that is correct. Out. So the New Day, Kingston and, and Woods uh, won the titles at Battleground. Over okay, the so why, that's, why that's, am I remembering a countout somewhere between these two um, teams? Money in the Bank. Yeah, I mean they've Money had the like bank. I mean we're we're like four or five weeks <laughs> or four or five months into this. Uh, these two, yeah, probably maybe Money in the Bank or something. I'll, I'll, let me let me clarify that just to make sure. They they had a count out finish at on one of these shows. I I I'm positive of it, unless I had a fever dream or something. Um, I think it was Money in the Bank. Yeah, Money in the Bank was a count out. The New Day won by count out, so they didn't win the titles. Right, and then Battleground they did win the titles, and now the Usos win them back. So we got some quickie changes here again. I this doesn't bother me as much with these tag team titles. I you know it's like I don't expect them to. I just, I, I don't have look. 205 Live was kind of fresh, and the Neville thing was good. This, we know, has been bastardized for years, so it doesn't bother me as much that they do these quick switches. And these two ma- the last two matches that these two teams had were awesome, and I thought this one was even better than the Battleground match. Uh, what I go on this one? Uh, uh, you went four and a quarter. Four and a quarter on this one. I went one, four then. and a quarter on this one. I went four flat for Battleground. So um, this is one of the best, if not the best, tag team feuds in all of wrestling this year, right? I mean, oh, no doubt. I mean, absolutely. And, the, and these two teams are, are certainly in the running uh, for, for tag team of the year, for sure. And, and I think the thing that really... The, the problem is that the New Day is going to be tough because you have the Big E, Xavier, you know, Kofi thing or whatever. Uh, you mentioned in your review, and I 100% agree when I was watching the match as well, is that Xavier Woods is a guy who, who was long thought to be the the, the third guy of the, uh, the, the the unit. You know, like, Big E's awesome, Kofi's great, Xavier's fine, but he's not... He has been fucking awesome, and he was the star of this entire match. And like, I thought he was the star of the Battleground so match. Good. He's been uh, so good lately, and I never knew he was capable of that. I just, I mean, he was capable of being fine, but he has been the star of this team the last few months. And it's, it's crazy because it shows just how talented those three dudes are. So you have three guys that are legit great, you know, that, that can interchange now easily. And it was always a worry that ah, when Xavier gets in there, it's just going to kind of be okay. It's just going to kind of be a match. No more. I mean, any combination of those three now is going to kill it. And, and Xavier in, in particular is, is, is emerges as, you know, one of the best, if not the best, like the best two months. It's been crazy what he's been able to do. At least the most interesting of the three. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll say this. This is a situation with New Day where switching brands really benefited the careers of, of someone because we were all sick of New Day. We were all tired of them. We were tired of the act. They weren't having great matches. They switched brands. They're reinvigorated and they're doing great things again. So I think this is a good example of where switching brands really helped an act as well. Um, we got John Cena, Baron Corbin. This kicked off the the SummerSlam show proper. Uh, a lot of talk here that this was sending a message to uh, to Big Banter Baron Corbin. Uh, you kind of saw Cena working this match with a little bit of an edge. 
uh, Corbin got into a little hot water on Twitter. He got into it with, uh, you know, a, a veteran of war and, and he came off looking very poor. Um, you know, he, he got into some other Twitter scraps, uh, you know, over the course of the week and this social media, we've seen it get real, uh, quote unquote, real athletes in trouble in other sports. And, uh, it may have been the case here too. He loses the briefcase in humiliating fashion in 30 seconds. And then we gave it the benefit of the doubt last week, Rich. We said he had a big match at SummerSlam. And if they were going to give him a big win over John Cena, losing the briefcase isn't any kind of a big deal. Well, they put them out there for the opener. And he lost in, I don't know, I would say pretty convincing fashion to a part-timer. Uh, and, and, and it wasn't a very good match at all. And I think uh, uh, there's a lot of theories out there floating around that, you know, Cena was sent out there to send a message and show this guy up a little bit. He gave nothing in this match either. And, and we've seen Cena who can really, I mean, he can really finesse their match. He can really, if he wants to make you look like a million bucks, he will. I mean, you go back and look at those Kevin Owens matches. Oh, yeah. At, at, at once he's, I mean, there's there's so many that, that even name. But this was him not trying to make the other guy look like anything this was john cena being john cena he was fucking around he was going out to the crowd and putting hats on he was saying oh you know they're chanting for me they're not chanting for you like it like this was a guy out there yeah this was a weird looking cena this is a weird looking match altogether you know he didn't have that fired up look in his eye that you No, he was joking around and smiling and and i I tell you he he almost worked this like a post-raw dark match you ever see one of those post? Oh yes, dark yeah, matches? yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah if you've never seen him, the John Cena post Raw dark matches are the greatest thing ever because he's just having a blast. And, I, and I'll tell you another thing. You're gonna laugh at me, but he didn't have a fresh haircut. No, I noticed that too. Yeah, he was. Uh, yeah. He didn't have a fresh haircut, and it's little, like, like not all that well shaven either. Like no. there was maybe like a piece of hair popping out of his face, and you know, that's- it's almost like he just parachuted in, <laughs> worked the opener. And then got the fuck at it, like you it know what? Look I mean? like he just woke up. Yeah, he, his hair was not on point, and that's not. He didn't. Was, he didn't John Cena's always had great hair. John Cena's had like the same haircut for twelve years. He gets that fresh buzz cut before every match. He didn't visit the WWE barber. His hair was long. It looked like he was late for his haircut. It looked like he just rolled out of bed. The hair was like even messy to an extent. I know that doesn't. It sounds like we're doing shtick, but I put a little bit of weight into that, considering how the rest of this match went. You know, he just didn't. This, you know. As bad as that Rusev flag match was, there was some intensity behind it. You know what I mean? Even though it wasn't a very good match. Now, listen, I'm still going with this scene. Now, listen, you've started to hint around. I, I'm using the seat. Look, we all know the scene of rust is a real thing. He, when he comes back, it always takes him a while to find his footing in there. Uh, he has some shitty matches when he returns from these sabbaticals. You've started planting the seeds. Maybe John Cena's, uh, maybe he's just done. Maybe he's over that hill. Uh, now that he's past 40, maybe, uh, you know, the in-ring isn't his soul. Maybe he went through his little indie Cena run and uh, proved to the world that he can do that or proved to the small corner of the world, uh, people like us, that he could do that. And maybe now at this point, he sees himself as a part-timer and he doesn't feel feel the need to go in and bust his ass in these matches and have great matches anymore because he has not been great. No, we're, we're a few months. We're, we're starting to get pretty deep into this, like the Rust era. You know what I mean? Like, because I agreed with you for a while. I mean, he's always those first matches are always pretty bad. But we're, I mean, we're, we're what two months into this now, and he, he's still part time, and he, we know he's bouncing after this to go do another thing. Like, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. At, you know, in the next, I still think like I still think he has the capacity to have great. It's not like I don't think he got bad overnight. You know what I mean? Like, right. I don't think it's like oh geez, well Cena's toast. He's done. 
go, he's going to have good matches and he's still going to have, I don't know that he's wanted to in this return. And, and I don't know if that's just him kind of disinterested in the booking or if it's just him kind of going, Hey, I don't really need this. You know, I mean? like on the big moments, I'll, I'll bring it, but, but this is SummerSlam and he didn't bring it. You know, like I don't, he's in the opener. doesn't have the haircut. Like you're saying paint by numbers, no intensity, just kind of laughing it off or whatever. I mean, I don't necessarily blame him. He's, he's more than earned it, but I think we might have to come to the realization that what we thought of the, the Cena, the level that he used to wrestle at, it might not be back yet unless it's that big thing that he really cares about. I don't think he cared about this. I, I, I'll give him, I'll let him off the hook again for this one because I don't think he in any way cared about this match, and I, I don't know that he was instructed not to care or or whatever. I'll leave him off the hook for, for now, but I, I am interested to see. I mean, he's going to have what looks like a Roman Reigns match pretty soon. Um, we'll see how that goes. And like, I, I guess we'll see in the next few months. I'll let him off the hook again for this one. But yeah, he uh, eh, was not good. His return has been pretty, pretty awful. So Baron Corbin stinks, right? We could just take the W. Oh, on we, that we, yeah, we'll, we'll take the W on that one because we, we call that. I mean, he's, he's useless and he stinks. Yeah, it was fun when everybody kind of faked, acted like he was a good wrestler. But I, I, I'm glad that everybody's kind of gotten over that too and, and that WWE has gotten over that too. Because that's another thing too is like everybody was like, oh, what do you think? Aren't you upset? And it's like, no, I think he stinks. Like, like they finally hopefully saw what we've all seen or what, what you and I have seen. It's like, no, oh, that guy's garbage. Like, he looks like shit. He's greasy, he's balding, he can't wrestle, he can't sell, his offense is boring as fuck. Like, no, like, I, I, I'm glad, I don't care. He doesn't, I'm not going to defend and get mad about him being screwed in booking because I don't think he deserves to be the money in the bank holder in the first place, so. He does the cool boss man spot, though, you know, yeah. which we saw twice here, you know, the first time he did it and then they Because he has him. nothing else to do, he doesn't know what else to do. I was just going to make that point. The guy is so <laughs> limited and he just runs out of ideas. That's been my complaint with him for such a long time. The guy, and I'm going to talk about someone else as we get deeper on this card, who the same thing applies. These lousy workers, they just run out of ideas, you know, and it's just, there's no creativity. There's, and, and they're just boring. And that, that's Baron Corbin to a T, but they told a little story here. He did it again and Cena caught him, you know, with, with the clothesline coming back in and that led to the finish. So, uh, not a very good match at all. Natalia and Naomi, why don't we do this? Let's lump in these two uh, women's title matches together because we had varying opinions here. You really loved, well, I don't know if love, loved might be a strong word. <laughs> yeah, well, let's really in love a little bit. You really like this Natalia-Naomi match. I really liked the Sasha Banks-Alexa Bliss match. We sort of had, and I thought the Natalia-Naomi match was kind of meh, and you kind of had the same thoughts about Sasha Banks-Bliss. So we kind of had flip-flopping opinions here. Why don't we do both of these matches together in the interest of time because there's a thousand matches on this show. Uh, what did you like so much about Natalia-Naomi? Yeah, and I think I, when I say I like it so much, I mean, I gave it three and a quarter, so it's not like I thought it was like this incredible, incredible match. My thing was I thought it was Natalia's best match that she's probably had maybe ever. I just thought for some reason her offense just looked a little more. What about the creative. Charlotte match from when main event? Yeah, that, I mean, that that's your one right there is, is, is that takeover Charlotte match. Um, that was main event, wasn't it? Oh, I, did they have one in main event too? I don't remember that one. I, I, I'm thinking of the takeover match between the two. Remember when main event mattered for about a month when they put it on the network live? And I think oh, that, that match. Yes, right, right, right. They did have a pretty good match there. I okay, that, there that's another well. match on the on the main event that I'm that I'm thinking of. For some reason, I'm drawing a blank on the takeover match you're talking about. Oh no, it I'm was not. one of the first. Yeah, the, one of yeah. the first takeovers. Yeah, yeah, they, uh, yeah. Was it the first takeover? They, they were doing the Tyson Kids store. No, were they doing the Tyson Kids sort of heel deal? With no, no, no. Okay, which one? She had Bret Hart in her corner, but that was the main event match, I think. Where she had no, Brett. no, no. That was a takeover one. That, that was, was a takeover. takeover one. That was where, where Brett, where Brett and Flair were on the outside. Am I making up this main event match? Um, 
I don't know. I, I, sure. No, I, I think I kind of remember it. Let me, oh, let's get the producer on here to Natalia main event. Let's see. That would be main event. Let's see here. Uh, I got a SmackDown Live one in June. I don't think that's the one that you uh, <laughs> you were bringing no, up. No, this would have been like 2014, somewhere in that neighborhood. I got a Natalia Page on main event. Is that what you're thinking uh, of? Okay, that's pro- that might be it. Um, let me maybe it was because the one that I remember the, the Natalia one is, is is NXT arrival. Uh, you're right. I'm looking. Hold on, I got my 2000. Um, what year? Let me get my notebook out. Sorry, a lowercase r uppercase rival. That's right. What year are we talking? So I can get my. That was oh god, that was 2014. 14? Yeah, my birthday in 2014. I remember it. I stayed home and watched. <laughs> You're like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, ah, I'm busy. <laughs> so, so the best Natalia match since at least 2014. Oh, this wasn't that. No, no, I'm sorry. This wasn't a rival. That was Paige and Emma, which was good too. Remember when Emma was good? That was fun. Uh, no, that their their one was. Oh, it was the first take. That's right. So the the first that's that's NXT a lowercase r rival. The first takeover was um, Charlotte versus Natalia. And also had it had Neville and Kid in the main event. So you're right. You you were right that they were doing the Kid angle at that point. But she was not. I don't know if they made that clear that they were a unit at that point. Right, and that was the uh, Zane versus Cesaro. No, Zane versus Cesaro. That was a lowercase r rival. You are confusing the shit out of me, brother. This is TakeOver. So, I'm talking about NXT TakeOver. Remember, before they started calling them, the first uh, one was NXT Arrival. Oh, I got you. you you're right. right. That was just NXT Arrival. And right. that was Cesaro Zayn as the opener. And then, and then Neville and Bo Dallas, I think. And then this, the first NXT TakeOver was Tyler Breeze, Zayn, Charlotte, Natalia, Neville, and, and, and Kid. Right, right, right. And also Adam Rose versus Camacho. Yeah. <laughs> That was they on weren't the always the greatest. They weren't always great. No, but see, they no, but listen, that's five minutes, you know, out. By, by right, they always had a couple match. There was a match or two on each of those early takeovers that was shit. Remember the Enzo Amore versus uh, <laughs> one of the French dudes with the you know the, <laughs> the hair versus hair match. Yeah, the, oh my, yeah, God. like the, the hair cream and you know. So, but they would always have two or three matches that were just killer matches, and you know. The, the bar has certainly Sylvester been- Lefort, yeah, ends over to Sylvester yeah. Lefort. Yeah, now the, but the now the bar has been raised on these takeovers since then. You know they don't give you those. You know they give you a squash now and then too. You know so like that Camacho match that you're talking about against Adam Rose, and that was on the heels of there is a Camacho versus um, uh, Corey Graves match on the network on one of the early NXT episodes when they first uh, converted over to the network which is legitimately one of the worst matches I've ever seen. And people can watch that on their WWE network. Camacho was so bad in this company. Uh, and that Corey Graves match was just, I think that was one of Corey Graves final matches as a matter of fact. Uh, but yeah. And then, you know, Camacho shortly gone thereafter, um, you know, with that short run in TNA and why are we talking about Camacho? But anyway, um, <laughs> so you, you like, you really like this Natalia Naomi match. You think this was the best Natalia match since at least 2014, whether it's the Charlotte match or this mystery main event match that I swear happened. Um, uh, so, you know, we're talking a good three years since, uh, I guess you would call it peak Natalia. Right. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's a very brief well, peak, but well, let me ask you this. Yeah. Natalia always had this reputation for being this, this very good, uh, worker. Right. But do you think it was a case of being surrounded by lesser yes. female talent? And now that she's surrounded by, you know, much better female talent, 
she usually looks like shit. No, she she does, and it, it's like the best Beth Phoenix thing too. I and mean, Beth Phoenix was like the best. AJ Lee, remember when AJ Lee first came? And everyone's like, "Oh my god, AJ Lee's the." And then within a year, it was like, yeah, "AJ Lee kind of sucks." <laughs> like yeah. when it's all said and done, you go back, you're like, "All right, what was your favorite AJ Lee match?" And like, yeah, there was really none. They were all kind of bad. It's like right. yes, because now we're seeing with Charlotte and Sasha and and Alexa and Bailey and and and, and Asuka and Ember. Like there are Becky Lynch. Yeah, Be- oh yeah, of course Becky. Yeah, I mean there's there's plenty. I mean even the lower bar ones are still. I mean, just so far and above what what you got before. So yeah, Natalia was a beneficiary of like we needed somebody to say, oh well, there's some. She's the best of the women, and it's like now you look at her and it's it, it's not. And that's that's why I was so surprised in this match, and that's why I think I liked it so much. Is that it seemed like the one thing I liked about her is she had an edge for the first time almost ever. I mean, she's so terrible. They tell her to be a heel, and then she's like kind of smiling, and her offense isn't really. This was like brutal offense, and I, I give a little credit to Naomi too because Naomi sold it like crazy too. Because Natalia was trying out a bunch of different things; they were taking some big risks or whatever. I didn't really expect them to do that, and I guess somebody, you know, Natalia, obviously knowing what the result was, probably had her working boots on and was like, "All right, cool, I'm gonna I'm gonna put some effort into this." Because I just thought it was the most effort I'd seen from Natalia in quite some time, and it felt like for the first time she was a real heel, like she felt actually like like a bad person in that ring or whatever. And and uh, yeah, Naomi is such a good babyface too that it. it, it, it just the dynamics worked way more than I ever thought they would. She went long, long stretches without being pushed. And uh, Natalia, I mean. and Oh, my God. Uh, and that's, I put that in our review. Did you know that it's only her second women's title run? Yeah. She's only and, two. Uh, She's been in the company since 2008. Like a main roster since 2008. Yeah. But, I mean, that Ooh. look. <laughs> she's going to be – she'll get pushed for as long as she's there now because they don't want Tyson Kidd to sue the shit out of them. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, that, you know, so <laughs> she's going to be in the mix for better or worse. Um, look, I preferred Sasha Banks, Alexa Bliss. Uh, I look, I didn't think it was a great match, but I thought it was a very good match. I like the intensity of that look, I like the way Sasha, Sasha Banks, you know, she's willing to take huge bumps. Um, she sells her ass off. They did that one spot where uh, Alexa tossed her out of the ring. Sasha got back in and Alexa just tossed her right back out like a bag of trash twice in a row. And she took big bumps to the floor. And I like that stuff. I think Sasha uh, wrestles very reckless. I think Sasha for a long time was a little bit overrated as, as a worker. I, I, you know, I, she was always very good, but I thought she was a little bit overrated. Um, and I think she's sort of settled into this thing where um, she's actually, you know, she appeals to me because of how reckless she is with her body. You know, I like that. I, you know, it might not be good for her health, but um, you know, she's, she, she's different than some of the other, uh, people on the roster where she's just willing to, to, to ragdoll herself and um, to, to, you know, to, to, to sell and, and put over the idea of damage. So, uh, you know, I preferred it to the uh, Natalia match. You preferred the Natalia Naomi match, uh, different strokes, I guess, but I didn't think the Natalia Naomi match was a bad match. I thought it was a decent little match. So uh, yeah, no, and I, I thought this one was okay. I like the intensity of this match and those two always have great intensity against each other. I just, there's something missing in this one. I don't know. It just seemed like they were kind of meandering for a little while and I don't know necessarily uh, what the reason for that was, but yeah, there was like a few points that were real brutal, and I was I was kind of hoping, but all in all, I just I don't know, it just didn't have the same connection uh, with me. Just maybe I expect a little bit more with them. So maybe maybe your bar, maybe your idea in your head is they're going to have a better match, and they just didn't deliver to that level. I mean, that you know, expectation, uh, you know. But uh, let's move away from the two women's matches, which were uh, pretty decent matches, to two matches that were horrendous. Uh, we had Big Cass defeating Big Show with Enzo Amore <laughs> suspended above the ring in a Shark Tank. I don't know what the fuck this was, Rich. I, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I, it's not. Oh, I don't know what to say about this. This was just look. 
You knew there was going to be. Look, I, there's room on these shows for silliness and goofiness, and that's fine. It wasn't funny. <laughs> it but was that's terrible. my point. Yeah. That's my point. It wasn't. There was nothing. It, it, but the match itself was so bad. I mean, you know, it was just horrendous. Uh, you know, you know, Cass and show just were, were were flat out bad here. And then, uh, you know, they do their goofy deal where Enzo More, uh, you know, uh, lathers himself up with the lotion and, and escapes. From oh, the it was no lotion, Joe. Uh, KY jelly, yeah, whatever it was. I don't know what the fuck it was. Whatever. You, what do you got on your nightstand, Rich? Uh, <laughs> I got nothing. You got no. Oh, oh, Rich. Oh, hey now. Hey now. Rich is just, you know, <laughs> Rich is all natural. He believes in oh, the, yeah. uh, you know, no, 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 no marital aids on your nightstand. Huh, Rich? Not yet. Soon. <laughs> what do you mean? Not, whoa, whoa, hey. Now, listen, you wouldn't go in with the follow-ups earlier, but you know I'm going in with follow-ups. What do you joking. mean, not yet soon? <laughs> joking. I don't know. Is there butt play in your future? I, I don't think so. No, We've I discussed don't. the butt play before. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to go over well. You're very so. sheepish about it. Yeah. Have you dabbled in the butt play yet? I have not dabbled in the butt play. No, I'm going to ask the nurse when we record. <laughs> you can. She's going to. She'll agree with you. I don't. I think she would all. She would agree with me that I, I don't think. I don't think that would go over well with her. So. I see. You made me get up off my couch here. I was excited to hear. No, no. Sit down. Sit down. The marital aids might be coming. You said, "Hey, very soon." So I just, you know, I do. <laughs> what kind of marital aids are we talking here? Are you guys making a trip to the adult bookstore or what? What's going? We're going to go to one of those highway ones that you were talking about. The, you know, uh, those sleazy highway ones. The, the, yeah. the glory hole ones. Yeah. We'll, We'll explore there. We'll just go window shopping there and see what, see what they got. A little lubrication, some toys. What are we talking? A little bit of everything? Maybe <laughs> some sexy everything lingerie? Too. Maybe yeah. for the both of you, right? Maybe you'll wear like a man thong for the nurse. Yeah, yeah. With crotchless panties. With a banana probably. hammock in the front. You're going to rock. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure she would love to see that. No doubt. Maybe she would. You know, you, that you she know. runs to turn the lights off. <laughs> Listen, Rich. Laughter can be an excellent aphrodisiac. Did you know that? Oh, we make each other laugh. So you're dropping over here. Ah, I'm sorry. I hit my mic. I was trying to drink something and I hit my mic. It's getting uh, hot in here. I'm getting uh getting steamy. So well, regardless, I don't know if it was uh KY jelly that uh Enzo was lathering himself up with or uh you know Astro Glide, whatever his uh lube of choice might be. Uh but uh he got himself out of the cage and uh then he promptly ate a boot from Big Cass. So I don't know what the point of all that was. <laughs> Big Cass, Big Boot. Right, just to tell you, because you're invested, you're invested, you're invested, and then they just tell you, go fuck yourself. Like You're like, oh, he's going to get out of the game. Oh, okay, never mind. Who cares? Right. And Cass kicked him directly to 205 Live, where he will ruin <laughs> that show now. So, uh, oh, yeah, this man. was just fucking garbage. And then we had Randy Orton, Rusev, which was... 10 a, seconds. A 10-second squash match. Now, what the fuck is going on with Rusev? I, I used to think that he was just getting heat by association from his wife. But they seem to put effort into Lana. So that doesn't make any sense. You would think that they would uh, pump the brakes on Lana if they were going to, if they had problems with her. And, and, uh, you know, but it seems as though Rusev just never has anything of, 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 uh, of importance to do. Uh, he's losing flag matches that have no backstory to John Cena for no reason whatsoever, other than it was around the 4th of July. He's losing in 10 seconds to Randy Orton in a match that had essentially zero build. What the fuck is going on with Rusev and when the hell is he going to show up in New Japan? Because this is ridiculous. I mean, you got this this uh, this guy who can be a top heel in the company. He thrives in whatever shitty environment or in shitty storyline that they put him in. 
and they not only refuse to do a thing with him, it seems like they're out to humiliate him. They're actively making him look like shit. Yeah, and it's been going on for a while, too. I don't know. There, there are some rumors kind of popping up as we were recording this, and, and I don't know. I, I'm trying to find the source, and I'm, I'm not finding anybody pretty good, but uh, there's someone out there saying that Rusev and Lana asked for the release, uh, and that's causing some of these issues possibly as well, or that, you know, one way or another, they both asked for the release. Um, good. So and I hope so, yeah. Because Rusev, uh, don't waste your time. I mean, that's and and it, you know, if you don't, if you're not happy with what's going on, move on. There are going to be plenty of opportunities out there for you if, if you want to take. Make them. a phone call to Cody Rhodes. Don't make a phone call to to the artist formerly known as Jack Swagger. Don't make a phone call to the Ryback. Yeah, leave the big guy out of your 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 text chain, but. Call Cody Rhodes. Sandow, leave Sandow out of it too. Leave Sandow out. Call Cody Rhodes. Call Trent. Uh, call people like this. Uh, get advice on what to do post WWE career, and uh, they'll lead you in the right direction. There's money to be made out there. A guy like Rusev can uh, call his own shot, end up in any promotion he wants to end up in, whether it's a you know moose type deal in TNA if he wants to explore that, or whether he wants to. I'm sure New Japan would fall over themselves to bring a guy like that in and work with Ishii and people like that. Mike Elgin. You know, Mike Elgin's another guy, you know, who's, who's, uh, you know, he was not an ex WWE guy, but a guy who's reinvented. Yeah, call him, call Juice Robinson and say, hey, Juice Robinson. <laughs> How's it going outside of this, uh, this company? Yeah. Right. And, and Elgin, in terms of reinventing yourself after your career really bottomed out, you know, and, and, and you know, and talk to people like this. Uh, Rusev can, can certainly do great things, but, you know, it, it's always that thing. What direction will he go? You know, it's like Jack, Jack Swagger went in a horrible direction, Ryback went in a horrible direction. So you really you never you never know with some of these guys, uh, but if they did ask for their release, good for them. They're clearly just spinning their wheels here, and I really don't understand it. It's 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 got to be, you know, maybe maybe the lineup quote unquote push was designed to embarrass her with the awful entrance music and the awful gimmick, and uh, you know. But either way, uh, neither one of them are, are coming off very well at this point, and I don't I don't see what the point of any of this was other than to get Randy Orton on the show. And get him a SummerSlam payday, right? I mean, that's what the point yeah, of this, I mean, was. this was. This is utterly worthless. I mean, don't even don't even bother with this. And and there's not. I mean, it's not like it plays in anything. It it just happened. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's nothing that. Uh, yeah, it was. This was awful. This was terrible. And this is when I was really debating why I was even offering to do the show. <laughs> uh, but like I said, but then it got better after this. So, Finn Balor, who's also known as Demon, yes. aka the Demon King, Finn Balor. He had a uh, he had a match with Bray Wyatt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> that's, 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 yes. so, so Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. Yeah, that's yeah, no, no. I, and I'm uh, no shtick. I, like I don't know what else to talk about that match. I don't either. I've, that, I I was hoping you'd have a direction. No, I had nothing. In my review, I said apparently Finn Balor was the demon tonight, but you would know it from the announcers who only referred to him as the demon 147 times. It may sound like a broken record, but this is a match that just lacked any real direction or focus. They did moves, they played mind games, but ultimately it came and went, and nobody remembered anything from it in a few months or even a few weeks. Or I should add, edit that to a few days. So. You know, Bray Wyatt's my proudest W. I just, I'm so glad that I nailed it before. That I was like, yeah, you had like fall of 2014. You were calling that one. So. I I called it like when they debuted, when everyone loved it. That's what I mean. I, that's, like, I, I think that's right around when they, they, they came out. So. I was, you know what? This guy, I don't know. Oh, shit. No, I meant, I meant 2013 for the Wyatt. Whatever it was. I'm like, this guy, you know, and, and he's just a whole lot of fucking nothing. I mean, he just, he's a waste of time. I mean, he's not horrendous or anything, right? He's just a whole lot of nothing. July 2013 is when they debuted. So, yeah, you, you probably by August 2013 were, were done with them. So. I was never on board. So, that's uh, my proudest W. Uh, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins, the uh, 
the reform shield, of course, it was Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns that were the tag team champions. Not, uh, oh, it's yeah. kind of funny when they showed the promo video, they, they zoomed in on hands and then they just like cropped out Roman Reigns on any. They're showing the shield, that's the shield. And they never, ever, ever, ever even mentioned that Roman Reigns is part of the shield. So. Look, I like that they've done this because Raw is very top heavy with, with quote unquote main event talent or at least mm-hmm. talent that they see as main eventers, where you got the four guys that were in the main event here. You've got the demon Finn Balor. You've got. Um, you know, Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins. I mean, that's four, five, seven. That's seven people right there. They see Bray Wyatt as a top guy. That's eight. And I know I'm forgetting some people. Uh, Raw is just loaded with uh, with people who they – that's a lot of guys who they perceive – usually this company is, is scraping for guys to put into main events. So they take two of them and put them in a tag team which is a great way to get them out of the, you know, the top mix for a while and have them not waste their time with silly mid-card feuds or whatever. And uh, I think it elevates the tag team titles too, you know, and it gives these two guys something to do. And they'll probably do a breakup angle at some point and have a feud. I think we all see that coming at, at some point, but this is a great time killer until they get around to that. Maybe they are WrestleMania opponents for each other. I would can totally see that of this lasting until you know they start showing some strife between each other around Royal Rumble time and you know and then off we go the usual breakup angle but uh, a really good match here with Cesaro it was a lot of fun this was a high energy match uh, on our run sheet here according to this it went 18 minutes but it really felt like it went about six oh minutes. yeah it didn't feel like that at all no I, I love this match and I think um, you know two things the first thing that you mentioned about putting the two guys that, that really don't have anything to do right and put them in a tag team. We, we've been banging that drum forever in New Japan yeah. as one company in WWE as well. I'm like, if you have Okada just kind of not doing anything for a while, throw Okada and, and Gato and give them a tag title run or whatever, or you know, have them go for the tag titles. Like, lump those guys together. Have Tanahashi and somebody do, do something when he's just kind of doing nothing. Why, why not? Like, that's it worked great in old school Japan. It gave those guys a little bit of freshness. Those guys were able to kind of do you know, things that were outside of those big singles matches or whatever. And it made your tag matches seem important and seem like they're, they had some meaning or whatever. So yeah, I'm and all oh, by the way, And oh, by the way, it set up your big singles matches because guys would score their first big scalps against each other in these right. tag matches. So it gave you better opportunity to, to tell stories in terms of your money drawing singles matches too. So. Yeah, Junakiyama became a, a beast, became one of the biggest guys there just by, you know, being in tag matches and getting, you know, a win. And it's like, oh shit, okay, like here we go. Or just going in those matches, just being with those guys. You know, help right. Akiyama. Just, just right, coming right. out to the ring with those dudes was enough to kind of give the badge of honor. But um, another thing too with, with Rollins and Ambrose, um, I've kind of after watching this match, I think that I think Seth Rollins' long term might be as a tag guy because he's a dude who you know as as a singles doesn't. I mean, he's fine, but he doesn't do a ton for me. Uh, and Ambrose, I think, could be really good, but you know, obviously they they have their way uh, with him. But like, I look at those two and I'm like, dude, you guys might be a tag team. Like that might be the thing now is you guys just being one of those. Tag teams, like I'm sure they're going to break off at some point, and, and of course do their own thing or whatever. But it was like, yeah, this is like because Rounds can be Mister High Energy, and it can work. Like he doesn't have to do the in between stuff. That's where Seth Rollins sucks. Is a lot of times it's like that in between stuff, the, the the you know the slow paced of like the WWE style main event or whatever. All you guys, need, Seth Rollins in this match, to do is be Seth. You know, here's five six minutes of you being in control. Do wild shit. Jump outside of the ring. Do all your funny little you know, you know all your your silly flips and your silly moves and all that stuff. And you can do that as a tag team, and it works perfect. And I thought Rollins, it was like holy shit, this might be the long term game for Seth Rollins after watching this match. Yeah, we're working ourselves into a shoot, but. It, it's because, you know, Vince McMahon's vision for tag teams is just... Is, how are they going to break up? Yeah. Or mid-carters that they have give they don't have any plans for. In their right, room. yeah. Well, I always think of them as like, okay, they're a team. Now let's put on the chart when we're going to break them up. And right, talk yeah. about how we're going to break them up every week. So 
Right. AJ Styles and Kevin Owens, they've been feuding for the U.S. title. Uh, obviously, they had the uh, botched finish in their last bout. Was that Battleground? I think it was Battleground. Uh, wh- whatever goofy name of the last pay-per-view for their brand was. Um, but, you know, this here, people didn't really like this. I I enjoyed this match. Um, it was sloppy in certain points, but I think these guys Very were sloppy. I think they were good enough to cover up a lot of their slop. You know, there was that one spot where, where AJ was going for a crucifix and he lost Owens. And I, I am, I'm certain, you know, cause he, then he transitioned into a styles clash. And I think that was imp- improvisation by styles because he knew he lost Owens on the crucifix. It got a little ugly, but he knew if he went right to a styles clash, that that was going to pop the crowd and cover up the ugliness from a second earlier, because that move is going to pop everybody. And it, it really, did seem a little out of place. That, that first style clash did not seem a really spot weird. For, yeah. Right. It was not a natural spot for the styles clash. But he, I think he used it to cover up the, 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 the awkward moment. And I thought that was pretty brilliant, you know? Because why would he have done it in that spot and then done it a few minutes later? I really think that was improvisation. So nice job out of him. Kevin Owens lost Styles on a pop-up powerbomb also at one point. There were a couple little sloppy points here. These guys haven't really had the best cohesive matches together. Yeah, their chemistry is weird. Like I, I can't recall two really great workers that had like such weird chemistry they just don't fit it's just odd i don't know like they never seem to be in lockstep and they're both really good and they both have good matches when it's all said and done there just always seems to be some awkwardness and some sloppiness and you know in between there you know when you think about guys who don't work well together instantly that come to mind is john cena and randy orton but it's not in a sloppy way it's just in a they don't have compelling matches way these two guys for whatever reason are sloppy together and you're right. I know it doesn't really make. And they're smooth against everybody else. Like Owens can just. I mean, Owens and Cena would be able to do 15 different moves without any you know issues whatsoever. And Styles has a whole career of doing stuff as smooth as possible. But these two dudes, it's just I don't know. It's really weird. Regardless, I really enjoyed it. I, I yeah, thought it was yeah. maybe the second or third best match on the entire show. Uh, so you know, maybe I liked it more than a lot of other people did. But I went four flat on this. I I, I don't know. Yeah, we had uh, so I, so I went three and three quarters, and uh, Kelly, who did our review with us, he also had it at four. So we. Oh, so all I guess I'm not far off. So, okay. No, yeah, I think at least in our little bubble, our little review bubble, uh, we uh, we all kind of enjoyed it. I do need to. I, why is Shane McMahon so sweaty? He's a sweaty man. He was dripping. <laughs> like, Five minutes into the match, he's purple and he's dripping, and it's like, dude, chill out. Like, you know, the stip really didn't hurt this match all that much. It did. There was a few like dumb ref bumps or whatever, but all all told, it, it wasn't like I thought it was just going to be completely overdone and and shame. Oh. But, it, but it, he just kind of was there, and it, it almost kind of worked. It made Owens, you know, Owens was able to kind of you know do his banter off of him or whatever. But yeah, it was actually like one of the better guest referee spots I've seen in in quite some time, especially in this company. Who who. God, I mean, when they do guest referee spots, it's it's so overdone and so raw. But this was like, yeah, it was it was actually pretty well done. It was just like I was I'm gonna call it down the middle. There we go. Like I did. There, all right, done. Ginger <laughs> like, Mahal, Shinsuke Nakamura. Oh, so I was thinking about this, and you probably got to go back to the Attitude Era to find a worse, you know, WWE quote-unquote world title match, you know, the top title on either of the brands or when they had one top, you know what I mean when I say that, right? You, you, what you would call, consider a world title match sure. in the company. You have to go back to the Attitude Era to find one as bad as this was because this was, um, Rich, this wasn't good. I mean, this was, this was the Jinder Mahal formula, which is slap on a rest hold, hold on for dear life, wait for the Singh brothers to show up. <laughs> wait for them to fall off things. And, and take the bumps for you, which they did, and then badly botch your finishing move and end scene. 
You know what I mean? But even though this was the gender formula, this was actually the least interesting of all of the gender matches. And Rich, it's not like this guy's eclipsing two stars normally. Uh, this was a legitimate zero or one star WWE world title match. It just wasn't good. I can't call it a dud. I can't give it negative stars because it's not like they were botching shit left and right. Well, other than the guy botching his own finisher, they weren't botching shit left oh, and yeah. right. And it, they weren't like, you know, it didn't fall apart. Okay, this wasn't Junkyard Dog versus Moondog Spot, but it wasn't good. I mean, and it wasn't even just the match. I can't even call it a two-star special, Rich. It was bad. It just wasn't good. It was actively terrible. Yeah. And it, it, yeah, and I mean, Jinder Mahal is just a bad pro wrestler, and it's amazing to me that there are still people who will say, oh, he's all right. He's fine. Inoffensive. People, you know, yeah. But he is offensive. He's offensively bad. He is offensively not good. He very clearly cannot hang with the rest of this roster, let alone the top of this roster. He cannot. He isn't good. He, I talked about Baron, Baron Corbin. Works circles around this guy. And Baron Corbin's been a wrestler for like two years. Jinder Mahal's what? Like a 10-year veteran? What is he? He's got to be at least an eight or nine year veteran. Yeah, let's let's see when he when he made his debut. Just to, are, you, are you talking WWE debut or just like started? No, how long has this yet? man been pro okay. wrestling? All right, let's let's find out here. Let's go back. He's thirty one right now. Um, I bet he been, wrestles like he wrestles like he's like forty five. But um, he really does. He he is anyone less athletic than this guy? Right, he wrestles like Butch Reed, like WWF nineteen eighty five Butch Reed. Which he he <laughs> wrestles know. he wrestles like a guy who every muscle in his body is torn, but he can't leave the road because he wants to make sure. He, exactly like an eighties guy who knows he's not going to get paid if he tells them that he's injured and he gets pulled off the road. Uh, so he started in 2004. So uh, December 2004 is when he made his debut. So he's a 13-year pro. And Rich, he's not good. And he's regressing. I'd argue he was better five years ago before he got cut. I mean, he, he, well, he's he, carrying an extra, you know, 150 pounds. So that'll. And you know what? I'm not even going there. All I know is he's unathletic. He looks like he has no flexibility. He, it doesn't. It, it's like he can't move. The guy can't move. He, can't. he looks like Ted Arcidi. God damn those muscles, Joe. You know, and he locks in like these nerve holes and these side headlocks to set up his stupid cobra. To set up his he stupid wrestle, He wrestles like shockingly like Ted Arcidi, which he does. I, I would have loved, I, I would have hoped that we have, our, our standards have changed from Ted Arcidi. He, but here's the thing he doesn't even do it in well. 20 and 30 years. He yeah. doesn't even do what he's supposed to be doing well. He wrestles. Like when Hercules was at his laziest. That's what he wrestles like. When Hercules stopped giving a fuck, you know, and, and when, knew he wasn't getting pushed anymore and he was counting down his days and uh, how much longer can I tolerate being here before, you know what I mean? That's what he wrestles like. He's, he's bad. He isn't good at this. What does he do well? And I mean bell to bell. I have no problem with his yeah, character. Good promo. Good promo. Good character. I, you know, let's make that distinction now before people start talking shit. I have no problem with this guy's character work. I have no problem with the way he carries oh, himself. And also, we get why they're pushing him. That, that too. Because they're like, are you idiots? Yeah. We know. <laughs> we know. We're, we're we know. aware. We know. We're talking about bell to bell where he's horrendous. Okay? 
I, the guy's a good promo. He carries himself well. He gets himself over as a heel. I have no problem with that. But does he really, though? Are his matches really no. getting No, <laughs> that's, that's the thing. The people, thing. You know, yeah, All right, go ahead. Maybe we're overrating that, too. Because the people are people really clamoring for this guy to lose. I mean, is he, are we really getting monstrous reactions when this guy comes out? I mean, look, the bottom line is this with Jinder Mahal. I don't know any numbers right now. This is for the WrestleNomic, WrestleNomics guys to dig into. This is for Dave Meltzer to dig into. Uh, people who do who who approach you know wrestling media differently than we do to do this sort of research for us to then steal and do on our show because I don't know the numbers. If this guy's not moving any needles in India, if he's not selling any T-shirts, if he's not securing them new television contracts, if he's not increasing television ratings, then this is an utter and complete failure. I mean, is SmackDown up because of this guy? You know, what, what is he giving them? Because he's not giving them anything bell to bell. He's in, in fact, I think he's embarrassing bell to bell. I think he embarrasses the company bell to bell. I think he's so bad in the ring that it stands out how bad he is. It does. No, and, and I can tell you, I have, I have proof of that. I mean, obviously, it's a small sample set, but I have a few friends that are, I mentioned like casual fan friends or whatever. They don't listen to the show. They don't really follow our website or whatever, but they watch wrestling and they'll kind of talk to me every so often. And they are always, they, they know that he's horrible. And they say, why is this guy that he's so bad? And they're like, do you think he's bad too? And I'm like, oh yeah, he's, he's really bad. And, and, and they're not really people that care that much about the in-ring. Like they're kind of there for, for the, the, the pomp and circumstance of WWE or whatever. And they can tell that he's horrible and know that he's horrible. And he he's stands not even out average. Like they don't think Baron Corbin's horrible. They're, they're like, whatever, Baron Corbin. I, I don't like Baron Corbin, but whatever. But they think that Jinder Mahal is horrible. He's not even average. He's not even average. I was thinking about this. He's probably one of the five worst wrestlers on the roster, male, female, or green NXT. Do you think both of the, do you think Rezar and Acom are better workers than him? Because oh, I do. Yeah. Akam and Rezar. You, I don't know. Akam and Razor. Ewok and Razor or whatever I call them, whatever the fuck. I don't know their names, but the two authors of me, do you think that the Street Profits are better workers? Ah, I don't know about that. Angelo Dawkins has been in developmental for like 15 years. I, I think Angelo Dawkins is better than Jinder Mahal. You're, you're probably right. No, he probably is. Um, do you? We, think, don't know the other, we don't know the other guy's name, but yeah. do you think that? Um, do you think the, that the iconic duo are better workers than Jinder Mahal? Yeah, I do he's, too. I mean, he's he's pretty. Do you think that he can't move? Like you're saying, he can't move his arms. It's he so does. The, guy, the guy's a mobile. It's amazing. I watch him, and he moves. He moves around like like. Do you know what he moves around like? He moves around like. All right, here's this is a deep cut. Forget the European audience getting this reference. He's like Andre Dawson when he was on the Marlins. Yes, yeah. The, the, That's even even baseball around. fans are going to get it. you and I got that, and like seven other people listening got that. Because Andre yeah. Dawson, when he was winning MVPs with the Cubs, was was had no knees. By the time he got to the Marlins and the Red Sox, he was just this was a man who clearly man just who loved with his arms. Yeah, he just you know, this is a man who loved baseball and just didn't want to fucking give it up until he was hitting one ninety and they forced him out and he just couldn't move. The poor guy couldn't move. That's is like Ginger Mahal. I can't move. I mean, he just—he just, you know, he, every little thing is a—he yeah, can't well, execute his own finish, Rich. Well, the one is—the one was forty-one. The one was forty-one after playing like twenty-five years in, in the majors, and the other's thirty-one. And yeah, I mean, with, with seventeen of those years with bad knees, because he hurt his knees in Montreal. I mean, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like playing on that astral turf. It's like, it's it's amazing. You know, okay, is he okay? Look at it this way too. Um, the Global Force Wrestling World Champion is 
uh, what, spoiler. What, are you doing a spoiler? It yeah, doesn't matter yet. It, it's news rich. Okay. It's uh, what's his, what's his, what's Eli his Drake is his name. Yes. Eli Drake is his global slate. Randall is the global force. <laughs> for yes. Yeah. Uh, okay. And is he a better worker than Jinder Mahal? Yes. Yeah. I think. It's not even close. Right. And that, see, this is my point. That guy is as average as average gets. Is there a more average wrestler than Eli Drake? Like no, that's like, like the, factory average. That's like that give me a wrestler. Like if I was fucking- if I was doing a TV show and I needed like pro wrestler, I would call Eli Drake. Eli Drake is factory fucking average. He is like he is jag personified. He is. You go to you go to a dollar store and buy like a wrestling figure. It looks like Eli Drake. And wrestlers you know I mean? like Eli Drake. Yeah, yeah, it's called wrestlers. It's like wrestlers, you know, yeah. awesome wrestlers. You're like, ah, oh, yeah, give this to the kid or whatever. Let, let's keep let's keep doing this. Who's a better wrestler? <laughs> We're gonna find someone who's who Jinder Mahal is better than. Is Tamina, We're gonna have to go to like the Hagus level. Here, Tamina. Ooh. <laughs> who's a better worker? Uh, I might go Jinder there. I think Ginger's a better worker than Tamina's pretty fucking horrible. Tamina's yeah. fucking horrendous. She can't do a splash. You're Jimmy Snooka's daughter. I want one move out of you. Well, they actually, they're very similar. Because Ginger Mahal, it's like, all right, you need to do a schoolboy. Can you do it? Got it. Fucked it up. Sorry. Like, all right, do your finisher. I couldn't do it. Damn it. Like, or Tamina can't do a splash, even though, like, you're Jimmy Snooka's daughter. So, you know. It's kind of a prerequisite. Like, you should. If you can't do anything, which you can't, one or thing about, you should be able to do. How about this? How about not do it if you can't know how to do it? Right. Well. Hey, how about. Okay, is it fair to say, out of WWE wrestlers who have appeared on television, okay, not the NXT, you know, Largo loopers, who we probably haven't seen anyway. If you've been on TV, is he one of the five worst wrestlers on the roster? Is that fair? Can you think of five people he's better than? We've got one. Yeah, Mina, yeah, let's. Uh, all right, Lana, he's better than Lana. Oh, you're thinking about that one. Holy shit. He's not that No, bad. no. I mean, he's, he's definitely. Okay, so he's better than Lana. He's better than Tamina. Uh, is he better than the other Street Prophet? I don't think he's better than Dawkins. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what the other one Can is. I have more time to see the other Street Prophet? Yeah, let's, I don't think that's fair right now for him. Um, this is a professional show. We call him the, the other Street Prophet because we have no idea what the man's name is. Um, I guess the, the contenders would be the Ascension, but I think they're better. I mean... I've oh, seen I them. think. Oh God! Now, yeah. Victor, Victor's better. I think Connor is a good argument. Well, Connor is, has also gained 150 pounds of not pure muscle lately. So listen, Connor is pretty bad. So I don't know if Connor is on the same diet that uh, Jinder's on, but he's he's missing one of the aspects of it. I think. I, let's let's all right. Let's say he's better than Connor. So we've okay. got we got Tamina and Connor. This is a hell of a stable here. I like this. Yeah, Tamina, Lana, and Connor. <laughs> Uh, so far, how about um? I mean, about, now you're at like Bo Dallas, but I think Bo Dallas is way better. I mean, he's Summer Ray. Well, you're gonna get a lot of people upset with that. I'm, gonna, Listen, I'm not gonna answer I, that one. I'll do it then. I think Summer Ray wrestles like a newborn baby deer on ice. Yeah, I think she thinks. I think he's better than Summer Ray. How about Aaliyah? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about it a little longer than I should. Um, Aaliyah's pretty horrible. If you're thinking that hard, maybe we're not going to count Aaliyah. Yeah, I, I no, I don't, I don't know. Are you counting Summer Rae or not counting? Am I just going? Uh, I'm going to stay out of that. Yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm going to plead the fifth on that. So we got like three or four here, depending where you stand on Aaliyah and so Connor and Tamina. Connor and Tamina are no doubters. And Lana too is a no doubter. And Lana is a no doubter. Yeah. Um, who else is really, really bad? 
Uh, Ellsworth. Is he better than Ellsworth? Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's better than Ellsworth. I'm going to stay out of that because I want to, I've never seen Ellsworth wrestle a real match, right? True. Like maybe Jimmy dream is like some kind of fucking Uber worker. <laughs> right. In yeah. Fucking indies. And in. I don't know that. Yeah. We only really see him. What we, what have we seen him do? Get, get the shit kicked out of him. Yeah, by that's AJ true. Styles. All he does is kind of fall down and get hit by, you know, women. And so, yeah. So I don't know. It's hard. To- AJ squashed him a few times and he takes bumps for the ladies. Right. I mean, that's really all he does. Does he even take bumps for the lady? I don't think he does. I think he just, I don't know what he does. He just he's kind of he has no chin. Yes, he's just. Yeah. I, so I don't know. He might, but not be better than 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 Ellsworth. From Mojo Raleigh, where would you put? I think Mojo is about a million times better than. than yeah, I'm with you. I, I I'm annoyed by Mojo. I think his gimmick is trash. He's athletic, and you can tell he's he knows what he's doing. Yeah, this is uh, this is not good. I think so. We got I, I had three confirmed. Um. Man, I'm going through the roster up and down. That might be my list right there. It's it's not good. <laughs> How about um, what's I uh, what's why do I always why do I know names like I'm gonna call her Gianna Daddio, but I know she hasn't used that name. Liv Morgan, right? Is he better than Liv Morgan? I don't think he is. I would take no, him. no, he's not. No, oh. Liv Morgan's definitely better. <laughs> <laughs> Can we stop doing this? He might be one of the five worst wrestlers yeah. currently on WWE television. Yeah, I'm sure there's some some you know performance center dude that. How about Rob McCarron's boy Tino Sabatelli? Uh, he's pretty bad, but no, I think Tebow's better than or Tino's better than. Uh, Is it Tino or Tino or Tebow? Tino, it's Tino, right? I'll Actually, take I don't him. know what it is. Yeah, I'm not I'll sure take him over gender. I'll take him over gender. The problem with gender is he wasn't good before, and then he added like 150 pounds of muscle to his body. See, he can't here's move. the thing. I thought he was average before. He was all right. I, I don't know. I thought he was pretty shitty, but I think he's actively bad now. I do think he's bad. I think he's bad at his job. Uh, do you think? All right, who? All right, here's one. Who's better, Yujiro or Jinder Mahal? I think Yujiro's uh, well, oh, yeah, way yeah, better. Actually, yeah, how about uh, all right? How about this one? How about this one? Takashi Azuka or Jinder Mahal? No, Azuka. Are you kidding? You think that one's easy, huh? Azuka's a man. Yeah, no, he's good. I think Azuka. Now, I think they're a good comparison, right? Because Azuka's character work is phenomenal. Right. And he like, also he, can't bend his knees or move. And he can <laughs> barely all. move. Right. Right. So I think they're actually a really good comparison because then, you know, when it comes to the meat of the match, they don't do very much well. Right. But I think Azuka works through his character better. <laughs> Which, again, one of them is 20 years older than the other. So that's like... Yeah, one's 51 years old. <laughs> right. And it's also roided up. But... but <laughs> I think he works through his character better than Mahal does. Here, Azuka needs a tag team to take all his bumps. This is, this is bad. He's Jinder Mahal or okay, how about this one? <laughs> this is the last one. We gotta move on. Jinder Mahal or the bodyguard? Oh, the bodyguard for sure. I'd say Zeus for sure. The bodyguard. Yeah, you're right though. The bodyguard has had like four star matches. Like yeah, the bodyguard's great. Are you kidding? Right, not, right. I mean, I'm not going to sit down and watch like the best of the bodyguard DVD or whatever. But that um, probably wasn't fair either. Then, how about? Oh, oh, all right. How about? No, I got. Some, all right, you got it. I think I have. How about Jinder Mahal or Masao Inoue? Hmm. <laughs> I think Jinder might win that one. Inoue is really bad. And he's got that dumb smirk on his face all the time. And his dumb sideburns. I like his sideburns, but I hate that dumb smirk on his face. 
How about Jinder Mahal or Manabu Nakanishi? Oh, I knew that was uh, going to come up, but Nakanishi for sure. Nakanishi, Nakanishi's match with Yuji Nagata at the end of last year was better yeah. than was better than any Jinder Mahal match ever. Is that fair? Oh, absolutely. And Nakanishi's also with Nakanishi. He's fifty, so he's yeah, yeah, yeah no. What was better, WLC or Nagata versus Nakanishi? But wait a minute, Mahal wasn't even in. He may have taken some bumps, but that no, was yeah. He's that's not even his match. That doesn't count, right? <laughs> no, I don't give him that credit for that match. That match was great because that was that was Swaggle versus uh, the, the Torito. Yes, right. Even though three MB was all you know going through tables and shit, so we don't even count that as a Mahal match, right? No, so, I wouldn't. So he's ne- so yeah. Manabu Manabu Nakanishi had a match six months ago. That was better than any match Jinder Mahal has ever had. Let's see what the uh, the cage matchers have to say about Jinder's best match here. So let's do the best rating here. Uh, non Rumble. Ooh, um, yeah, Dolph Ziggler, Eric Rowan, Jinder Mahal, Luke Harper, and Mojo Rally. I don't know what the hell that. What the hell is pack, that? A six pack challenge on SmackDown Live. Uh, uh, yeah, he was April. probably he was probably the worst guy in the match, <laughs> right? And then the, the only singles one is Mahal versus Orton in. June, the Money in the Bank match, which I agree. That match I did not hate. I did not hate that one. But that no, one, yeah, this the Nakamura, the Nakamura match was his worst match yet. Yeah, no, this I think, one, it, was, I, I think it was worse than the Punjabi prison match. No, this one is just like this is painfully awful. This is I, I you equated it to like halfway through the guys were just like, I don't know what to do. You good, you good, yeah, let's just go home. This is over. Yeah. There was nothing. Was no, no ab, no flow. And, no, and, the, it was, and the finish was flat as fuck. Yeah. It came out of nowhere and was flat. It was botched. Yeah, let's not let Nakamura off the hook here either because he sucks. No, he hasn't been good and he wasn't good. This was non-compelling. Nakamura did nothing to make this compelling. But Jinder Mahal, and and the Singh brothers' spot was there. You know, they just came in and took a couple of flat backs for Nakamura. I I warned you of that. I said, I I, I don't know if Nakamura is the guy that's going to do any of that. So that was my concern. And then when you lose that, it's like, oh, shit, like there's nothing here. Good example of you take away the Singh brothers and Mahal really has nothing in his arsenal. I mean, he's really, he's really just a, a bad pro wrestler. Who's better, Jinder Mahal or Maybach? Oh, Maybach's I, I like Maybach. He's had some good you matches. You know what? Maybach... Well, he, he took that mask off. It's been like a whole different thing. Like, he's, he's good. Maybach and Takashi Azuka had a match, what, 18 months ago? Better than anything Jinder Mahal's ever done. Remember with the countout finish? Yeah, of table? course. Maybach had some good. I, I've been watching uh, when I do watch Noah uh, as of late, which has is, is been very rare. Uh, his stuff's fine. Like he's fine. He's a con- he's an average wrestler, right? That's the thing. Most major league wrestlers, Rich, are average. There's really very few terrible major league pro wrestlers. How about okay, Jinder Mahal or Mahabali Shira? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> Jinder Mahal definitely is better than Mahal I think Mahal is better than Mahal yeah I think he's better than Shira Jinder Mahal or another world champion Rich um, again can't think of her name but I know her old name was Allison K what does she go by now Sienna Sienna uh, oh no, Sienna for sure you think so because I don't oh. think she's very good no I think she's horrible but I think she's still better than and her. I think she's a good comparison too because she's someone else who projects herself very well she's doing a great job as champion she's cocky she is uh, she is not good live. I don't know if you've seen her live ever. No, she's not a good wrestler. I, yeah. I don't think, but but I think she's doing a good job as a heel champion there. Sure. Um, similar to Jinder, but they're terrible in the ring. How about Jinder Mahal or Kevin Matthews? Because <laughs> Kevin Matthews after he tore his ACL and still wrestled the match or not? 
current day Kevin Matthews on Global Force Wrestling Impact right now. Because Kevin Matthews, peak Kevin Matthews blows away Jinder Mahal. But I'm talking about Kevin Matthews right now, the one that's on yeah. TV. Uh, yeah. He's bad. He might this be the one worst. Is really bad. Yeah, you, you might want to get those knees fixed. Because I think uh, Jinder's better than him. That's fair. It's, it's not the knees that's Kevin Matthews' problem. <laughs> he's gained a lot of weight, Rich. And he's just I, – I think that's the big – but he's really bad. He's He might be the worst major league pro wrestler going today. So there you go. Jinder Mahal is worse than a lot of those horrible wrestlers. You can play the game at home too while you're listening. You can play this game at home. Yeah, you can, you can get the family together and play the uh, is this person worse than Jinder Mahal? How about Jinder Mahal or Rebel? Jinder Mahal for sure, yeah. Yeah, he's better than her. Rebel's pretty bad. Do you think we're being unfair with any? I don't think we're being unfair. No, I mean, he sucks. Like, I I, I mean, you can come up with a shtick. I mean, the the good thing, you made that tweet of like, you know, shtick aside, and and we had like two people that that came at, but the majority of people are are done with it. It's it's like, it's so obvious that there's nothing there. When the best best praise that he gets is, oh, he's all right. He's not offensive. No one says, oh, he's good. You know, like no one, there's no one left. So yeah, that match was uh, maybe the worst WWE World Title match since the Attitude Era. I mean, I really believe that. Yeah, it's like 1999 level horrible. So, but yeah. let, let's let's hope that uh, yeah, that it's not it's gonna end pretty soon because that's a it's a show that's got so much talent on there too, and it's just it's such a drain. And then the problem is like, if you want to have it be the opener or whatever, that's fine. But then it's like it's the semi main event, and it's like oh god, like thank God this main event was great. I and mean, the main event more than made up for it. But yeah, Jesus, it, like it's in prominent spots on big shows, and it just is utter shit. So here's what wasn't utter shit, and that's the four way for the Raw title. Um, this was fucking awesome, as a matter of fact. I enjoyed the hell out of this. Uh, Strowman looked like an absolute beast and future superstar here. I thought it was interesting that they protected. Uh, I didn't look. They did my stretcher and return spot, which I hate. But with it, Brock Lesnar, I mean, come on, with Brock Lesnar of all people, and nobody does the thing. Not to interrupt, but people don't buy that. Thing. People booed when the second the stretcher came out. What'd you hear? Booze. Yeah. No one. These fans are not stupid. They know. Like, don't even, don't even humor. Like, just. Don't even bother with the stretcher. We know. They all, they all know he's coming back. <laughs> we all know he's coming. Nobody has ever gone out in the stretcher and then not come back. Yeah. So just don't do it. It's over. It's utterly ridiculous. It's the one of the worst spots in wrestling. Um, the other thing I found interesting about this is I thought for sure Samoa Joe would eat the pin. And it was Roman Reigns who ate the pin. Mm-hmm. That's a big deal. Um, it is a big deal. But I do think there's plenty of time to rehab Roman Reigns and get him ready for the WrestleMania main event. If you're going on the premise that you still believe he'll be in the WrestleMania main event, yeah, I think it's a bigger deal for Joe not being pinned than it exactly. is for Reigns being pinned. That, Reigns being pinned is, it means nothing. That's exactly where I was going with this because they easily could have pinned Joe. Um, but you know, I think they know that. Look, Reigns, like you said, they're hinting what at a Cena match. Yeah. That's a good guy to beat on your way. On your look, it's only SummerSlam. They have plenty of time to heat up Roman Reigns. If they wanted to, they could heat him up in a month's worth of TV. You know what I mean? But they've still got nearly, what, what is it, eight months until WrestleMania or whatever it is? Is it even that many? Yeah, it's like eight months, right? Yeah, around eight months. Yeah, a little, little while. And they got plenty of time to heat up Roman Reigns. They can flip the switch on that whenever they want if the plan is still for Roman Reigns to beat Brock Lesnar. So Roman Reigns eating the pin here is not a big deal at all, in my opinion. And like you just said, I think it's a bigger deal that Joe didn't. This is a a solid check mark on the card of Samoa Joe that they believe in him as a top of the card guy because uh, he did not lose here. So uh, we're on the same page there. I thought this was an awesome car crash style match, constant action. I mean, something going on at every turn, fun action crowd was into it. Crowd was hot. This is a hot crowd. 
Jinder Mahal never has a hot crowd. You know what I mean? And it's like, so I think some of that praise for him might be a little overblown too. Compared to this, this is hot. This was a, this was a crowd responding to four acts that are legitimately over. Jinder Mahal is not legitimately over. These guys are over. And the crowd responded as such. Rich, I enjoyed the shit out of this, man. You know, we bang on WWE a lot for not having a lot of uh, great matches in WWE proper this year. I thought there were three on this show, and I thought uh, this was the best of them. I went four and a half stars on this. I thought it was a lot of fun. Yeah, I went four and a quarter. I, I liked it uh, just as much as well. I think the car crash, like you said, and, and the thing that I always look for is, is obviously I don't like multi-man matches. I'd prefer singles. This is one, like you said, there was always something going on, and it didn't feel like there was, while there was those spots where it's like one guy versus one guy, almost quickly, like somebody would do something on the outside too to just make it like there was no lulls ever. Like there would be two guys in the ring and they'd do a square off and then Samoa Joe would just like lock somebody in a, you know, the cookie climb. Like there was just like, there was always stuff going on there or, or, you know, Joe and somebody are in the ring and then, you know, Braun Strowman is is, is putting a table on on Roman Reigns. Like they just never let anything be that stupid WWE tropey main event thing where it's like the two guys square off and the other two guys are like, where the hell did they go? I haven't seen them in, in 10 minutes or whatever. There was always something going. There was always some action happening. And yeah, I, I, awesome car crash. I uh, think probably my biggest disappointment in the match, or maybe my only disappointment, was that Samoa Joe didn't really seem to do a whole lot. He was kind of an afterthought. Uh, but this is the Braun Strowman show, uh, 100%. And, and that's what they were. It was all geared towards Braun being the man in this match and, and, and the interactions of Braun and Brock. So uh, from that standpoint, it was absolutely an A-plus uh, in, in building up Braun. And, and yeah, I, I mean, I still loved it, aside from Samoa Joe not really doing a whole lot. I mean, he was doing stuff in here, but I guess I had, had visions that he was going to be a little bit more a part of it, but he kind of stayed off to the side and let uh, the other guys either a you know eat, eat the pinfalls like you mentioned, and then you know b just kind of let the other guys be sort of the stars and and sort of being a holding pattern for right now. But uh, we do know by him not taking the pinfall that that there is there's something there, and they they at least see it a little bit as well because it would have been easy to have him not do anything and, and just pin him and then whatever it's Samoa Joe who cares, but they don't think that, so that that's pretty cool to know. But yeah, I mean this is the Braun Strowman show, uh, and that guy's your star. I mean look at the crowd reaction, look how. Uh, what he can do in the ring. I mean, that is a dude that that if they don't capitalize on, they're they're really missing out because that that's a guy who has a connection to the crowd, and that's a guy who can be a star if done properly. So Samoa Joe and Conan are my two favorite promos in wrestling currently, uh, because they speak like people would speak on the street. I yep. guess both of those guys saying the same shit that they say in their promos to someone who they didn't like in real life, and they come across that way. Yeah, Joe's kind of like awkward in it. Like sometimes he kind of stumbles over his words or he uses words kind of weird or whatever, which is fine. Like that's how humans talk. Like humans don't always talk perfectly every single time. And he doesn't spew out like cash. He just kind of talks and it's mm-hmm. no nonsense. And he just kind of says a few words and that's it. That's all you yeah. need to do. And you can, you know, he means business. And uh, yeah, so uh, same thing with Conan on, on Global Force on Impact lately. I mean, I, I just, I get a kick out of his promos. He just, he just, and Conan's always been a great promo. Joe, you know, this week's episode of the Voice of Wrestling Flagship Podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Dollar Shave Club. And we've been telling you guys about Dollar Shave Club for quite a while, but some of you are still holding out. And we don't have no idea why you're doing it, but uh, let's talk it through. So Dollar Shave Club is the smarter choice, plain and simple. Joe and I have found that out. Hundreds of our listeners have found that out, and now it's time for you to figure that out. You get a great shave at a great price delivered right to your door. No more trips to the store. No more asking for someone to unlock the glass case. You don't have time for that. You have G1 to watch. You got New Japan. You got TakeOver. You got, you got too much to do. You don't have time for me going to 
the store and asking people for the unlock the case or whatever. You go to Dollar Shave Club, you get Dollar Shave Club's executive razor delivered right to your door. Better yet, you combine that with Dr. Carver's shave butter and you are ready to go. Today, you can make the smarter choice and join Dollar Shave Club for a limited time. Only new members get the first month of the executive razor and a tube of Dr. Carver's shave butter for only five bucks with free shipping. After that, razors are just a few bucks per month. That's a $15 value for only five bucks in your first month box. You'll receive an awesome weighty handle, a full cassette of four cartridges, and a tube of that unbeatable Dr. Carver's shave butter. After that, uh, no monthly commitments. You can you know, replace whenever you want. The replacement cartridges will ship automatically at the regular price. Again, no hidden fees, no commitments, and you can cancel anytime you would like. You can get those offers today exclusively at dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash voices. Take over Brooklyn 3. Um, this was two hours of awesome as opposed to SummerSlam, which was six hours long with maybe two hours of collective really good. This was two straight hours of awesome. I know you're super high. On, I love the show. You're even higher on this show than I am. You have a su- very surprising opinion on one of the matches. Why don't we start at the top? Drew McIntyre defeats Bobby Roode for the uh, the NXT title. Um, I thought you were going to hate this because I hated this. This was the only match on the show that I did not like. And this is weird because I have enjoyed all. I have defended all of Bobby Roode's title matches in this in this uh, in NXT. I thought they've all hovered around four stars. I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't mind the old school style matches. They've connected with me. I like the Kenta match. I like the, uh, uh, some of the other match. I love the Roderick strong TV match. And you were just kind of meh on the, all, but you like this one. Yeah. This I don't is, know. I guess I'm, I'm this is the one I didn't like. I felt like it was an hour long. I felt like it was meandering and going nowhere. And I thought it had like a really good final three minutes and I just could not get into it. But since you liked it, you go ahead because I thought this was like a two and a half star match. I just yeah, that's interesting. So and, and I won't say like because people you're sort of pointing at it like I love this match and I adored it and I thought it was the greatest thing ever. And it, you're it tweeting with exclamation points. I know. I mean, I, I thought it was no because I Bobby Roode matches usually are the absolute pits for me and I hate them and, they, <laughs> and I, I despise them. And this one, the reason why I liked it more than any, and I'm kind of curious on, on your thoughts on this is I felt everything that he did in this match was a little bit more purposeful. It had a little bit more direction than usually it's the Bobby Roode main event style is I always, you know, I, I kind of harp on it. The 1987 style is I maybe work a body part a little bit, but the mo- majority of the match is me just kind of grounding you and throwing you in a headlock and making sure you don't get up and don't go anywhere. And, 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 and that's it. like, but this, like everything that he was doing on offense was, it seemed to have a little bit more of an impact. It seemed to be a little bit more of a, a move geared to actually hurt Drew McIntyre. And I think Drew did a great job too of, of selling it, but not overselling it where, where the idea was that Drew McIntyre is not a guy who could just be put in a chin lock and, and, and put and reduced to nothing to reduce to rubble until Bobby Roode is ready for you. Cause that's kind of what I always thought with the Atami ones and, and other matches is Roode would just kind of lock in this and, and lock in that and do this and do this or whatever. And then just like for 15 minutes with the crowd, not making any noise, he would sort of work you over slowly and methodically. I didn't see that at all with this. There was a little bit more back and forth and I thought Roode actually the offense that he had was, was, was there was varied. It was different. They did a little bit of the walk and brawl outside of the ring, which, you know, I don't usually love that, but it was just different. It was unique versus the usual Bobby Roode is, you know, I put you in a headlock and I, 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 I put my, my foot on the ropes for extra leverage. Oh my God, look at what I'm doing. Like that's what the other matches were. And I hated that. I don't want to see that this, this was a little different. This was a little bit more varied. And I think Drew McIntyre got a little bit in 
uh, as well, because usually you get these rude matches, and he controls 15 minutes of the match, and then there's the other three minutes where the guy comes back, and then rude just kind of puts him away, whereas this was a little bit more varied, where it was a little bit more on both sides. So, yeah, I didn't think it was meandering at all. I don't think it was great. I don't think it was awesome, but I thought it was so much better, at least in my mind, than any of those other rude NXT matches, because I thought there was more more done in the offense, more, you know, interesting things done versus the usual work a body part, headlock, work a body part, headlock. You get a little comeback, glorious DDT, I win. Like that, that, that those exactly did nothing. Exactly what it felt like to me. See, that's, yeah, I got the exact opposite of this one. So it's interesting. I thought this was two solid veteran hands having a two and a half star match. I, and I thought for sure you'd tear it to shreds. I thought for once we could make fun of Bobby Roode together, but apparently not. No, sorry. We can make fun of him for like completely not catching McIntyre on the Topic on Hilo, though. That was great. Did you see that he just completely let him out to dry? It's like, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, my Thanks, eyes. Man. My eyes were glazed over during most of this. I mean, I just I couldn't get into it at all. Um, you know, and and I look, I'm someone who has kind of liked his matches. I don't know. Um, Asuka Ember Moon, though. Yeah, let's my, talk about that match. My opinion, Rich. This is. Uh, I don't think it was as good as um, Cena Styles from the Rumble, but this might be the second best WWE match of the year. Um, I think it was that good. I think it might be the best NXT women's match ever. I'd really have to put thought into that and look back at what I wrote about some of the other great ones from 2014 or 15, whatever year that was. I think 15. Um, you know, Sasha Banks, the, the horsewoman era. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, but easily the best Asuka match, and I've loved all her matches. Um, best Ember Moon match I've ever seen. And remember, I've seen her live a million times. Yeah, I've seen her live quite a few um, times too and blows away anything that I've seen. Yeah, um, so, you know, a lot of best ever blank for this one. I love this, and uh, I can't wait to watch it again. I thought it was very exciting down the stretch because, you know, they really made you think Moon could win. You know, it's amazing what that could do for a match too, right? And, um, you know, lots of drama down the stretch. One little minor spot I didn't like is when, you know, uh, Ember went for the O-Face, and um, what does she call it? The Eclipse. The Eclipse. She went for the Eclipse, and um, yeah, that's kind of a dirty name for a finisher when she called it the O-Face, right? Back you in think? The, uh, <laughs> back in the, I never really made that connection. But, uh, really? You didn't make that connection? I really didn't. I just thought of it now when I just said it. I was like, wow, that's a pretty dirty name for a finisher. when she For somebody that wasn't like the dirty character, you know what I mean? Like Joey Ryan should have a move called the O-Face. But... Absolutely. Like Athena was very similar to this character, actually. It was just kind yeah. of a... She was like a warrior, you know, like a, you know what I mean? Like a goddess of, or, you know, a goddess is more appropriate, I guess. Um, and this isn't far removed from that. It's kind of a fantasy character, right? I guess that's the right word to use. Why would O-Face come into play? <laughs> it really doesn't make a ton, unless I'm missing something, unless there's something in some, you know, dorky anime book or something I'm not privy to, but I don't understand why O-Face would go with that character. Yeah, it just occurred to me that that's pretty, uh, you're right. It would go with Joey Ryan or some of that ilk. Um, but yeah, so anyway, she went for the eclipse and Asuka just was like standing there seemingly forever, just wobbling and waiting for her. And that's kind of the problem. It's a very impressive. Yeah, I don't like the move. I mean, it looks good when it's hit, but the, the setup yes. is bad. And if it doesn't get hit, it, it has looks like to be shit. perfect for that yeah. move to look good. And it's not like Asuka didn't take the move well. And it wasn't like she wasn't in the right position. Cause a lot of times, especially in her indie matches with inexperienced people, people would be in the wrong position. Asuka was where she belonged, and she took it well, but she was just standing around waiting for it forever, and it looked kind of goofy. Um, but other than that, this was a perfect match. I you know, I loved everything about it. Um, 
Asuka retains. Actually tapped her out, didn't pin her. Um, and like you said, the the camera work post match, focusing on Ember Moon looking distraught, knowing that she came so close, and it just adds the Asuka story of whoever beats her. I mean, God, it's going to be such a feather in their cap. And you really have confidence that they'll do it right in NXT. Whereas if this were the main roster, you'd have zero confidence. You know, Akira Tozawa would just beat her on Raw and then mm-hmm. lose it right back the next week. But you have confidence that they'll do it right, whether it's Moon. I have a feeling it will be. Um, you know, and uh, or whoever else eventually unseats her. It's going to mean a lot because, you know, and, and man, this was just dramatic and it was great. Yeah, I think the the thing that I loved about this match so much is that Asuka showed vulnerability for almost one of the first few times. Like, we don't see it that often with her. It's very rare. And this was a time where she was ultimately vulnerable, a lot of it. Like, So I, I got those same visions of like Okada during his current run where it's just like these matches where it's so close, so close, and Ember had it. Like Ember, Asuka was selling the offense. Ember hit the eclipse. Like everything that could have worked. You know, Asuka barely kicks out, like a 2.9 or whatever, and it's like, holy shit. And then, then Moon kind of gets nuts. That, what that was cool is is – it played it up as Ember Moon was the one that was the overly excited, uh, you, you know, underdog, and Asuka's the, the the champ, obviously, for a long time. Ember had it. Ember had it, but then she kind of just kind of lost focus a little bit, went for another eclipse, and it was it was too much. And then, you know, Asuka was just a little bit smarter to, to get the ref kind of in the way, but done in a way that's not totally awful. You don't kind of groan at, at that ref bump there. And then you also get the incredible – I mean, the finish was just just – I mean, that had me jumping up and down is where – you have Asuka, you know, Ember Moon come off the top rope and Asuka just locks her in that arm bar. Uh, and then Ember be, is, gets out of it and then Asuka rolls it up again. Mm. And puts her in the Asuka lock. It was just like, that, that transition was just incredible. Mm-hmm. And the way she puts it in, a lot of weirdness going on in my house. One sec. Oh, I hear, I hear what's going on. Sorry, I'm trying to wonder what. Yeah, nobody. Wonder I was getting broken in. No, yeah, someone's. There's a hose going on in the background. I was trying to understand what that noise was. Okay, now I can focus on this match again because I'm thinking Joe's talking. To, Joe, Joe's an idiot for staying on to talk about PWG. I'd be a bigger like. Why don't I just chill out for a second and go? No, okay, so it's good. It's just a hose. Um. <laughs> anyway, yeah, no. So the, the closing stretch. I mean, Asuka. The thing that's cool too is like so often we see with wrestlers, and Ember gets a lot of credit for this, is that when they're put into a submission, they're put into a lock or whatever, they just kind of sit there like a sack of potatoes. You know what I mean? Like they don't move or whatever. Ember is clawing and scratching, just knowing, fuck, I got to get out of this move. And she gets out of the arm bar, but then Asuka just uses the transition to the Asuka lock. And then Ember then too doesn't stop. She's rolling around, rolling around, rolling around, grabbing the mat, looking to whatever she can grab, and then just gets turned over and eventually just kind of like, it, like not like I'm not that you've killed me, not that I'm passed out, not that you've hurt me but then I'm fucked. I can't go anywhere. I'm done. All right. I tap. Like it was just like, and then she gets up and, and that's like, she's just disappointed. She's like, I had it. I hit the eclipse. You know, I, I had it and I lost it or whatever. And I talked about that moment at the top of the show where the crowd, you know, Asuka comes out of the ring and, and she goes away. It's just, you know, Hey, I, you, nobody can beat me. I'm out of here. And then Ember, they, they cut to her and she just sits in the ring and she, you know, you can just see the disappointment on her head. And it was, it was a disappointment in, in the character and in the, in the person as well. Not, not necessarily, you know, of course, Ask, uh, you know, Ember Moon understands what's going on. It's not like she's upset that, that, about the booking or whatever. But the fans know, okay, hey, look, that was really close. We thought you were going to win. You didn't. We got emotionally invested in you possibly winning, but you didn't. But that's okay. It was a hell of a match, and and you'll you'll get them next time type thing or whatever. And they gave her the standing ovation. But, yeah, this was this was really, really good. This was an incredible match. Um, great offense throughout, too, and, and they both looked like a million bucks, too. And I thought Ember Moon did a great job of selling uh, for Asuka as well. I thought one of the best – Sell jobs of anybody. I mean, really, even better than I think even the peak Bailey uh, Asuka matches too. I thought Ember sold like a million bucks for for everything that Asuka threw at her, and and Asuka, you know, re- reciprocated that too by selling a lot for for Ember. So no, I I, I love this match. A perfect example of being elevated with a loss. Yep. 
you know, this is a picture perfect example. You know, Alistair Black, Hideo Itami. This was stiff. It was nasty. I loved every second of it. There was accidental blood. You know, I popped for that. And uh, and the the right person won. It might have been the wrong opponent, but the right person won. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know how we don't get Ono Atami on this show. I mean, Black could have beat anybody, and it should have been Ono Atami. But whatever, we did that last week. But uh, you know, the right guy won. Atami, um, hockey heel gets his head kicked off. Sold that kick like a million bucks. I just love. Oh my god, how great was that? Even it got Jim Ross popped too. He was like, "Holy shit!" Like. Yeah, Tommy was great at that cell. That was that was incredible. And this is the sweet spot for Black. You give him twelve minutes. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's it's you know you don't want to let him go much longer than that. And these guys worked a stiff little match, tight little stiff match. I I enjoyed it. I don't have a ton more to say. I just I I really enjoyed what they did in there for the for the twelve minutes that they had. Yeah, there's not a ton you can really break down about this one. I I apologize about my dogs. I don't know someone's. <laughs> watering flowers is somewhere in my block and they're barking. But uh, yeah, no, like, uh, you know, a lot of stiff kicks. And I thought of Tommy, it's probably the best he's looked in, in quite a while in NXT, but there's still just, there, there's something missing with him. And like, he does the Mitch Noku driver off the top, which was awesome. And he does the kicks throughout and he sells like crazy, but it's just like the only, I, I can only think like, I wish you were somewhere else. That, yeah, I don't know if you I get mean, the same I thing. It's just kind of like, it was good. It was not fine. But I'm like, Oh, go ahead. Not as much as before. There's, there's still something missing, but I think he's way See, closer I, to Kenta. Than I think ever. he is, but even then, like my my thought when the match was all said and done is like that's the favorite. That's my favorite match I've seen with him Matami yet in NXT. But I wonder if that's the peak, and I hope it's not. Like I feel like that. I almost feel like this is the best he could be in NXT. And like, eh, see, I like the rude match, but you didn't. Well, that match was fucking garbage. So you're you're wrong because. Um, but I mean, I think that you it was know, really some, good to watch a Tommy sit on the mat while Rude, you know, worked him over and nobody made any noise. So it was pretty cool. Was, uh, some guys are just bad fits in some places. I mean, maybe he's just a bad <laughs> fit here. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know it. You know it, that happens. So. Um, but no, but it's just like my thing is like I don't want a Tommy to just be good and just be there. And yeah, that's kind of my thing. Like, yeah, it's just like all right, that was the same with Tommy. He's fine. All right, move on. Like if you want to see him in Noah the Reborn, where they're all stiffing each other. Yeah, right. Like you just know that there's more for this guy, and that it's just not. Yeah, so he's got a lot of new opponents there. He could be facing too. You know, it's a whole new company. But uh, I don't know. I I don't want to be sad about this match because I really liked it. Oh, it was good. So. It was it's out. So. Sanity wins the titles from Authors of Pain. I thought that was a bit of a surprise. And in this in this case, it was Alexander Wolf and Eric Young. I was disappointed that Dane didn't work the match. But you know what? It was a pretty damn good match. So I can't really be too disappointed. I think it may have been a great match if Dane worked the match in place of either of those guys, honestly. Uh, take your pick. Because I kind of like Eric Young. I know a lot of people do not. Um, but as a worker, I, I kind of like the guy. Uh, this is a hot little tag match. You know, all action, very comparable to the uh, the Shield versus Cesaro and uh, Sheamus, I think. Very similar uh, kind of match with uh, action throughout. Nikki Cross getting involved a little bit. Authors of Pain lose. What do you think of Authors of Pain losing the titles? Uh, yeah, it seemed a little weird. I, I thought they had more in them. Um, but this is one that I don't mind. Like, this is if they come back and, and, and maybe have another title match and they win. Like, this is one that wouldn't bother me a little bit if, if, if Authors of Pain didn't. Because I don't want them to go away. And I don't think they're ready to kind of go away or go to the main roster quite yet. So I want them to sort of hang around. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. There, there's, there might be a way where, you know, you can kind of swing it. Where you know they weren't they weren't ready for Young to be in the match or whatever that you know like yeah all, all told I I probably didn't want them to lose and I especially didn't want them to lose to Sanity but I don't know I don't it's not the end of this feud and it's not the end of the Officers of Pain so I'm, I'm 
it kind of sucks that that's how it capped off their 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 you know pretty great title reign or whatever. But I think they're going to come back, and and, and I've really li- I think they've improved quite a lot, and this was a really good example of of them, you know, what they've done against DIY or whatever is one thing because it's you know Champa and Gargano, and we'll talk about Gargano here in a sec. Like that's not hard to have a good match out of those two, but this was one where they you know had to use some tricks or whatever. But they're so good at that. Like they are one of the better teams I've seen that like can utilize you know, different weapons and utilize tables or whatever, and just make things seem like a, a fight and a brawl. And, a, and and that might be their, their, their long game here is that sort of team that, that, that sort of maybe not over relies on it, but relies on, on some, you know, some tables and some, some stuff like that here and there, because they're just, they, they work so well with this. And this is, was a violent match and it was just felt different than anything else on the card too. That's why I really loved it as well. And it, it was, again, the crowd was all on board in it and every spot they did and every crash through a table or, or whatever, it all seemed to mean something or it seemed to have a pretty good impact too. So no, I, I really like this match. I came in not thinking I was going to like it at all. And then halfway through, I was like, this is great. And when it ended, I was like, that, that was, that blew me away. Expectations. Absolutely blew away expectations. I think even more surprising than how good the match was and more surprising than the title switch was how over sanity was in Brooklyn because full sale doesn't give a fuck. No. Yeah. That's crickets for them. They are the least over pushed act in full sale history. I think that's fair to say. They were super over in this building. Who were these people? I mean, were they all Sanity's family in the building? I mean, they were over. And, and they were look, sometimes these crowds will pop for title switches. I get it. But it wasn't just for the title switch. Uh, you know, they, they, they were hot for Sanity from entrance all through the match, through the title switch. I couldn't believe it. Andrade Cien Almas defeats Johnny Gargano. Uh, I think we kind of figured Gargano would lose this one. Um, as Almas is getting a renewed push with his uh, with his new manager, uh, who uh, what are they calling her? Zelina Vega. I, I believe, it's, uh, yeah, Zelina Vega. I believe this is Austin Aries' uh, uh, chick, correct? Uh, oh, is it? I never. Oh, is I never made that connection. Uh, Thea Trinidad, right? That's. Um, I'm almost positive. So, was that her? Uh, I never made the yeah, connection that that was her. Oh, okay, all right. She looks different. So, uh, oh, she got. She used to have like curly hair, right? A lot. She just looks hot to me. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. She's, she's quite uh, but, hot as uh, Selena Vega. I can tell you that. That was that was working for me on, on Saturday. But uh, yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, no, I never made that connection for some reason. That was. Uh... So let's talk about this. I loved this fucking match. In fact, I was all ready to call this, you know, one of the one of the better matches this year in NXT, and I I loved this fucking match, but I hated the finish. And I seem to be the only person who hated this finish Hmm. Um, because, and it sounds like you didn't mind the finish either. Um, I think I've come to a realization, Rich. I think it sunk in with me after all of my complaining about Suzuki gun, my complaining about this finish. I've reached a point in my wrestling fandom where I am grumpy and I no longer enjoy heel shenanigans. (laughs) I just don't like it. I, I want all of my wrestling to be nineties, all Japan with clean fucking finishes I don't need this shit. I think this was a great match, and it was still a great match, but I knocked half a star off this fucking thing. Wow. Because I think, and I'm going to explain it, I think it made Johnny Gargano look like an absolute goofball. Why, why a grown man, why a grown man would be shook by the sight of a t-shirt just doesn't compute with me. These are supposed to be fights. Why was this man so shook by a t-shirt? Like he hasn't been thinking about Tommaso Ciampa. Like he doesn't remember what happened. Just the mere sight of a t-shirt <laughs> breaks this man. 
to the point that he just can no longer focus. He looked like an absolute geek. To me, this was no different. To me, this finish was no different and was actually worse than if, Ch- than if Chiampa's music hit and Gargano was paying attention to the stage and took a roll-up. It's the same thing. It's the same fucking finish. So why are people going gaga over this stupid finish where this grown man <laughs> can't handle the sight of a t-shirt, but they complain about the distract? This was a distraction finish. Oh, it advanced the story. And look, we all know the story. Here's your story for this match. And you don't need to involve this nonsense. This is a very easy story to tell if you want to involve Chiampa in this finish somehow. Okay? Gargano loses fair and square to this guy. Or maybe because, you know, if you want to involve Vega somehow, maybe she stands on the apron, whatever. I don't need it. But if you have to have that, Okay, but at the end, he loses because Almas may not be the better man, but the but the announcers can push the idea that it was his first match back from injury, like they do in Japan all the time, where they always lose when they come back for their. He said that he's already had that match though. And then and then, if you want to involve Chiampa somehow, he can come out on the fucking stage and do like a golf clap or some sarcastic bullshit and mock the man for losing. If you want to involve Chiampa. Why a grown man would be shook by a t-shirt and makes him look like a fucking geek. I'm sorry, Rich. I hated this finish. Yeah, no, I see. I didn't hate it at all because I think you're I, I, I think you're overstating how much this was seconds that he looked at the t-shirt. The t-shirt got tossed to him, he caught it, he looked down, and that's all it took. Like why did you just slap the fucking thing away? It's a fucking t-shirt. Well, he wanted to catch it and see it and look what it was. And it was yeah, like I don't mind it. I because if if he stared at the t-shirt and opened it and looked at it, like this is like, you're acting like almost was on the ground. Gargano had him beat. And then they throw the t-shirt and he opens it and he looks at it and he ponders. And he, oh, but come on. You know that was the idea. But no, but <laughs> idea and execution are different things. This was second. All right. Okay. So it was a poorly executed shitty finish. That's I guess. Point. I mean, I, I don't see anybody else. I, I liked it. I thought it was perfect. I Everyone it, likes it, but everyone's wrong because it's a shitty finish. <laughs> yeah, here's the thing. It ruined a great match. And that's what I'm worried about. I Listen, I accept it. I hate heel shenanigans now. I've outgrown the heel shenanigans. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to accept that because I reflected on this. Everyone told me I was nuts. I think this is why I'm more bothered by the Zack Sabre Jr. finishes in New Japan now because it ruins these great matches. I watch wrestling to see great matches. And this, to me, sullied what, to me, was on its way to being one of the better matches of the year because I liked it that much. Yeah, and, and I can see your point of view, too. But for me, I, like, I, it didn't bother me, and I, I think I'm with those people that were calling you. I, I think it was only a few seconds, and, and that's fine. To me, if it's that, that that's okay. If it's the guy coming down to the ramp and you like slowly walk over and do all that's the stuff that gets annoyed to me. But like he's in the ring ready for his finish. You toss the shirt at him. He looks at the shirt really quick. And just that is enough for him to, to, to give almost just that little bit of time to go. And, and it, it, to me, it plays up the story that he, he can't get his mind off of this, that he's still he's easily distracted by the DIY thing. I don't think that makes Gargano look like an asshole or, or an idiot or a moron, but it makes it look like a guy who, who needs to kind of refocus a little bit. And that's the story that they're going to tell moving forward is this guy is not. You know, he's still got Champa on his mind. Am I allowed to hate that story? You're allowed to hate it. Yeah, absolutely. Why can't Champa just come out and mock him? I think he's not ready to come out. That's a better story, in my opinion. I think I I think it's better to not have him come out. I think it's better to kind of plant the little seeds here and there and there and there and like little by little by little, it it keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. How about Gargano Gargano losing because he's still you know coming off injury and he he went out there and he gave it his best. And he fought with gumption because that's what he does. He's very much a Sami Zayn, El Generico type character. Would you agree? 
He yeah. sold his ass off, and he can lose, and it doesn't necessarily hurt him. And he went out there and fought his ass off, but, you know, damn it, that knee just gave out, and he couldn't stand up to this I guy. The, I think the problem that you're having here is you're, you're, you're projecting that this in some way was because of or helped Almas. They were just a conduit to the story. Ciampa's still the heel here. People are still supposed to, at the end of the day, hate Ciampa for what he did to Gargano. I get it. I get it. And, and she just tossed it to you. She is nothing. She is in the, a pawn in the giant story. You can hate the story, but I'm just telling you, like, I don't think it had anything to do with Almas. Almost just happened to be the guy in the ring. And, I get and, but you see, the story could be, the story could be, Gargano's better than this Almas guy, but Almas got him on a bad day when he was still nursing this knee. And then, look, you don't want Ciampa to come out? Fine. How about next week on NXT, Ciampa cuts a, a, a you know, a, a face-in-a-box promo or a backstage promo and mocks him. There's ways to tell this story that Ciampa's still a thorn in his side without it ruining the match. And to me, it ruined the match. Yeah, to me, it, I, I get it, but I, I don't agree. But you disagree. Yeah. That's fine. But yeah. to me, it was the same as a distraction finish. And it makes the guy look like a geek. And I don't want Gargano to look like a geek. He's an uber babyface. He should never be distracted by shit. He should, he, you know what I mean? He should just, sometimes he loses to the better man, but he gets over in doing so. I hated this fucking finish. Rich, I'm grumpy. I just want good I matches. Guess, yeah, I don't need heel shenanigans in my wrestling anymore. <laughs> and maybe I'm watching the wrong fucking company, obviously. But especially in NXT, I don't need this shit. It wouldn't bother me as much if it was on SmackDown. It bothered me in this in, in NXT. It bothered me because it ruined a great match. I, I just don't need this shit in my wrestling anymore. It just bothers me. I, I you know, it's just I don't know. It's just I've 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 I'm I don't know. I'd rather just see great matches, you know. I don't, it wouldn't have bothered me as much if this match wasn't so great. So maybe I'm kind of being a hypocrite. I don't know. If this was like a three-star match, it wouldn't have fucking bothered me. Tell your stupid little story. I don't even like your story. <laughs> I, tell your story. I guess if you like the story, you'll like the match. You'll like the finish. But if yeah, you're... but it's like, or if I didn't love the match so much, I wouldn't have hated the finish so much. Yeah. But I, God, it just, oh God, I'm like, what the fuck, man? This is a great <laughs> fucking, but I can't call it a great match. I can't call it a great match. That's, I don't know. You're, you're... I can't. We're grumpy. Stupid t-shirt. Why is a grown man distracted by a t-shirt? <laughs> it was only a few seconds. <laughs> like, just slap the fucking thing away. You're in a fight. Well, he can't focus right now. He's he's, he's shook. I would have liked it better if she soaked it in ether, like a 1970s angle, and like <laughs> strangled him with it. You know, like knocked you're, him out. You're really overstating this this t-shirt spot. It was two seconds. <laughs> fucking bother me, man. It's like Zack Saber Jr. having these classic matches with Goto and Shibata, and fucking Tai Chi jumps on the fucking apron. I don't fucking yeah. need it. Okay, yeah. I feel like Just one of them the is way worse than the other, but uh, I'll let you. Uh... Yeah, this one. <laughs> really we we got to talk about we 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 I forgot, we forgot to talk about it during the main event, but uh, the Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, uh, Bobby Fish coming out uh, at the end to attack Drew McIntyre after the match. What did you think of that angle? Oh, it's awesome! It was incredible. Yeah. I was all fired up. I thought it was well done. They did the great thought, thing where the, the graphic goes up and they sign off, and then yeah, yeah, which they do a lot. But uh, yeah, they're gonna they're they're, they're going to overuse it. They need to kind of chill out on it a little bit, but it still does have a little. Little cachet. So. The best usage of that was the uh, Owen Zane angle. I mean, that was just incredible. You know, the way they set that up, where it looked like uh, Owens was congratulating Zane, and then you know, a little bug came up, and then he fucking power bombed him into the apron. But yeah, same idea here. I thought Cole looked like an absolute megastar. He came off like an absolute megastar. Yep. Yeah, so, couldn't have been any, uh, you know. And also, of course, uh, you know, Red Dragon attacking Sanity. So maybe the idea behind the title switch was they'd rather have Red Dragon beat Sanity than beat Sanity. Than the Austin Payne, yeah. So, um, you know, that's probably the idea behind that. And I, in fact, they probably will beat them for the titles. And then, you know, I haven't seen – have they done tapings yet? 
They haven't. Uh, I think no, they, they haven't. No, they, they did before this. They taped the week. Uh, the one that's airing right, right now as we're as we're recording this. But yeah, right. no, I don't think they've taped anything. So I wouldn't be surprised if Red Dragon squashes Sanity. You know, because maybe they just see Sanity as sacrificial lambs to get Red Dragon. Yeah, the transition champs. Yeah, because I, I think you could. I mean, I don't think they really gain or lose anything by being the tag title holders anyway. So who Red Dragon? Uh, no, 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 no. Red Dragon absolutely does, but Sanity. Yeah, so I, I kind of like Red Dragon as Adam Cole's like assassin side. Yeah, no, it's cool. It's it's really cool. I'm interested no. to see how they sort of how they position them, what they say about them, why are they friends, like a little bit of the background. But yeah, like in the, just in that moment, awesome. They put over the announcers put over Adam Cole like a million bucks. Um, I like that they kind of they didn't. I would have liked them to sort of not immediately say, "Oh, it's Adam Cole." Like kind of wait a second, kind of do. Hey, who is that? Is that is that yeah, who I think Mc, it is? McGinnis, like McGinnis, McGinnis did jump the gun on that. Yeah, he was like, "That's Adam Cole." It's like, well, it's just a guy in a t- like a jacket. Like, hold on a sec. So that guy, that kind of annoyed me a little bit. But that's like the the grumpiest grump thing. Like, I'm saying, in, in, I wish he would have waited 25 seconds as opposed to one second. Like, that's all I'm saying. But no, it it, it was awesome, and the crowd popped huge for it, and they looked like a million bucks. So right. uh, I can't wait to see what it looks like. So I'm worried about the juxtaposition of Adam Cole and Drew McIntyre, who look very similar to each other and have similar hair. I really wish Adam Cole would just shave his head or not have a doopy looking head, but it's not going to happen. So, <laughs> that's... And Triple H has a guy, too. I know uh, Barry Ladd, our, our good friend on uh, Twitter, had a great little tweet about uh, Triple H's guys on NXT. Oh, yeah. Look, you know, the, the, the hair, a certain type of beard. Like, it's, you know, he's, he's got a guy. Like, it's not a Johnny Laurinaitis guy, but it, it, it's a guy. Yeah. His guys yeah, are better. Definitely. His guys can wrestle better, but he's got a guy. They all look like trips circa like 1990, you know, whatever. You know, yeah, before, like 1990. Yeah. yeah, like like yeah, like when he still had long hair, like 2002 Triple H. Everybody kind of looks like right. Rude, Rude went ahead of game and went to like 2010 Triple H was was a smart idea too. Just yeah, L- loves his beards though. Great <laughs> show though. Good beard, yeah. No, Takeover was credible. Great two hours. Easily. I mean, if you haven't watched it, drop everything and go watch it. It's, it's NXT is back. so much better than the main roster. It's just, mm-hmm. I mean, to come full circle, it's just so it's just better in every single way. Uh, very quickly, uh, before we move on to um, you know uh, going over some of these uh, New Japan uh, uh, announced matches that that uh, they've announced this week for the, uh, the Destruction Tour, correct? And then a yeah, yeah, Destruction Tour. We know a little bit of King of Pro Wrestling as well. Quick follow up on uh, Heatgate, Rich. Uh, I spoke to David Bixenspan on the phone uh, a couple hours after last week's show came out, and uh, Bix was all fired up. Uh, he was hot at us. Um, no pun intended. He was hot, Rich. Um, because, uh, not because we disagreed with his opinion that, um, you know, the, the show was dangerous or whatnot or any of that, but he felt like he was, uh, misquoted by Gabe Sapolsky, a quote that we gave that, uh, that Gabe asked us to give, um, on the show. Uh, the, the exact quote was, uh, Bix is so crazy. He even texted me before the final two matches demanding we end the show cause lives are in danger. You can feel free to report that. That was uh, end quote. That was from Gabe Sapolsky in his statement to us concerning Heatgate, which we reported last week on the show. Bix was hot about that in particular because uh, he's insisting that he never said that and that he was misquoted by Gabe. So he, uh, I, I talked to Bix on the phone. We had a very cordial conversation, and uh, he asked me to pass along. He sent me screenshots of his, uh, of his text conversation with Gabe, in fact. Um, to show uh, that he never, in fact, made that quote uh, that Gabe Clavey made, and he wanted us to uh, come on the air and clarify that. And Rich, I thought that was fair. Do you think that's fair? Oh, absolutely, certainly, yeah. So, uh, so I told him maybe we do it this week. Uh, I, we did it on Twitter already, retweeted him, but obviously the podcast reaches you know 
two, three, four times as many people as Twitter does. Uh, probably more than that, actually. Um, so um, he wanted us to do it on the air, which is fine. So, uh, yeah, I did see the screenshots. Uh, Bix sent me the screenshots on the record of the conversation that he had with uh, with Sapolsky. And he never, you know, that, that quote, he's right. It's nowhere within these screenshots. I think I see what happened was, um, uh, I think what happened was Sapolsky paraphrased Bix because uh, at one point Bix attaches the um, the now infamous uh, certificate of occupancy, which he posted on Twitter, which said that the building holds 690 fans or whatever it was. I don't remember the exact total. Uh, and and the actual Bix quote to Gabe was, "You guys need to end the show now. This is bad." With the certificate of occupancy attached, and I think I think, and I discussed this with Bix. What Gabe did was paraphrase that text message. Um, because Bix was insistent that he never said the, you know, the words lives are in danger and nowhere in these screenshots did he say, uh, to Gabe that he felt lives were in danger. So he wanted us to clear that up, uh, that he felt he was misquoted by, uh, Gabe Sapolsky and, you know, based on the screenshots that we received, uh, that is the case. He did not say at any point that lives are in danger. So I think, uh, he, that, uh, Gabe just paraphrased. Uh, that other quote from Bix. So uh, that was a quick clarification on that. Rich, I also want to clarify something. Um, we received a, a tip um, and a short video clip of Christy Janes getting into what appeared to be another um, shoot scrap on a wrestling show. She got into a uh, a shoot situation on a wrestle circus show with um, with Rachel Elring a couple weeks ago, which actually made Botchamania. Uh, in the latest Botchamania, if people want to see what we're talking about, I'm not going to go over that whole situation now. We don't have time for that. But uh, someone sent me a clip, and the, it was making the rounds among the Texas indie scene that she had gotten into another shoot confrontation, this time on a Martinez uh, promotion show, a uh, Lucha show in uh, in Texas. Um, it has been disputed by the Lucha side. Several pe- people reached out to us uh, after we tweeted out the clip that it was, in fact, a, uh, a well-worked pull-apart brawl setting up a rematch for the next show. So there's a lot of dispute as to whether that was actually a, uh, a shoot confrontation that Jane's got into. So I wanted to clarify that on the show as well, since we did make the tweet. And uh, I believe the Lucha side, because we also received a, uh, a photo of Jane's after the show, sort of hanging out with, uh, with, with some of the girls on the show, including the girl that she got into the pull-apart with. So, um, you know, it, it, to me, that's an indication that Right, that would seem unlikely after you just had a fight in the ring or whatever, like, you know, a shoot. And you're going to hang out yeah. with the person. Right. right. So I still have people, now to be fair, I still have people insisting to me that that was a shoot. But all of the people on the Lucha side, because of course the Lucha show, are insisting that it was not. So I thought it was only fair that we came on the air and uh, and talked about that as well before we moved on. So those are two house cleaning items. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of Lucha, and this is this is actually pretty cool news that came out uh, earlier today that Triple Mania will be on Twitch for free. Joe, uh, Twitch, the streaming platform known mostly for video games and stuff, is going to air Triple A's a uh, Triple Mania. Of course, it will air on Saturday for free. Uh, this is from the Cubs fan uh, He's going to have a preview up on our website as well in the next few days. Uh, he says they're going to do seven hours of a live show with both Spanish and English commentary. Uh, the show will begin at 5 p.m. Central Time with a two-hour pregame show, a best of Triple Mania marathon, which Cubs fan alludes to being the let's make sure shit actually works this time marathon, where you know two hours to kind of fuck around with everything to make sure it works before the show actually starts, which would be nice given you know the past history with streaming Triple Mania. Uh, but the 
show proper is scheduled to start at 7 p.m. Central Time and run until midnight. Uh, it says right now no one is specifically mentioned as English language announcers, and there is also no word if the show will be live only or if it will be available uh, to watch after the fact. Uh, but he does mention here that Psycho Clown and Dr. Wagner, which is the main event, uh, that is scheduled to appear or to happen rather uh, after Mayweather McGregor. Uh, the idea is to let people in Mexico see both. So. Uh, if you're watching, you're going, ah, geez, you know, I'm going to watch Mayweather. They're going to make sure that the main event will happen. Um, you'll be able to watch Mayweather McGregor and then come watch that main event or whatever. So they're, they're, they understand that they're going to hold off that main event until that fight's over and then kind of move on there. So uh, Triple Mania on Twitch this Saturday. So if you're not doing anything Saturday, you can go watch some, uh, some hot AAA action. So there you go. All right, so very quickly, we're going to go over just some of these notes, the New Japan match listings from the Destruction Tour, just the key bullet points. Rich, you know, the two Corkin shows are headlined by elimination matches. I know. I'm excited because these are always <laughs> I good. I despise them, right. Hate elimination matches for some reason, even though these are always <laughs> awesome. Uh, the, 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 the first night uh, is, uh, is Okada, Ishii, Yano, Osprey, and Rocky Romero versus the entire LIJ gang. That's going to be awesome elimination format so i don't know what you're talking about i know <laughs> off the air you were telling me that you thought it was going to be terrible i don't know what you're talking about I think it's gonna... <laughs> you can show the you also can show the text messages similar to the bix gave <laughs> that, that's right you could you could clarify on twitter with the text message screenshots so and then two nights later a second elimination match uh taguchi japan with taguchi uh elgin tanahashi and kushida uh and, and ricochet, ricochet, ricochet of course yeah, yeah he's uh junior tag uh, championship partner against uh, Suzuki gun, Minoru Suzuki, Azuka, uh, the aforementioned Takashi Azuka, El Desperado, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Taichi. This is not fair. Why is Minoru Suzuki? Well, I guess there's three juniors on the other side too, right? I guess it is. It's two heavyweights yeah, and three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I kind of feel like the juniors on the Taguchi Japan side <laughs> are a little worse than the ones on the other. Are a little better than the Suzuki gun side. Uh, yeah. I don't know what's giving me that idea, but uh, yeah. So Kenamoro's have- crafty, though, you know? Him- I like Kenamoro. I'm the only one, but I like him. Uh, but yeah, so those are the, the two matches that will headline the Cork and Hall shows. Uh, the Destruction main events and title matches, I think we should go over uh, very quickly before we finish up for the week. Destruction, and there's three Destruction shows, so they had to split the, the, the matches up three ways. Uh, the first one is uh, Fukushima. That's going to be the one headlined by Minoru Suzuki versus Michael Elgin. So the Never title is going to open uh, headline that one. We pound this home all the time. Never title uh, headlines maybe two or three times a year. This is one of those times. Set up, of course, at the G1. Underneath, though, I think is an interesting match. For the six-man titles, it'll be, of course, Evil, Sonata, and Bushi, who regained those titles a couple months ago before the G1. And they're defending against Kazuchika Okada, Toru Yano, and Rocky Romero. Rich, this is the kind of shit you love. These random ass teams challenging for these titles, and that is a random ass chaos. Yeah, that's just like they they got together. And we're like, oh shit, uh, I don't know, uh, Yano, uh, come on, let's go. Like, we got to do this. Like, whatever. But how about third from the top? I know a lot of people have this one circled: Tomohiro Ishii and Willow Spray against Tetsuya Naito and Hiromu Takahashi. That's one of my great. What do they talk about matches? Like Tomohiro Ishii and Will Ospreay hanging out and just like being a tag Listen, team. Like, I love chaos it. buddies. I know. I wonder what they what they do in their free time in their chaos free time. I think they talk about chaos matters. They go, to, they go to the school where Toriano, when he, they all sit in class in Toriano. But that's going to be a hell of a match. Yeah, and it's... the interesting thing there is it appears as though they're setting up a Willow Spray Hiromu singles match, which, Rich, that's a non title junior match that they're setting. When is the last time 
that they've done a non-title junior singles match, especially of this magnitude. Okay, um, I'm forgetting that Takashi's not the champion anymore. Why is he not the champion? Because for some fucking reason. Why is he not the champion? I keep, some, I'm thinking, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about, Joe? And I'm forgetting that he's not the champion. Because for some stupid fucking reason. He Why is Kushida the champion? <laughs> I'm he, thinking in your head, like, what are you talking about, Joe? Of course it's for the title. It's talk- Yeah, what? Is there going to be some tournament that, that Takashi wins on the way? Why would you do that and not build it up for a title? That's really strange. What do you mean? Why, why is he not the champion? That's what I mean. Like, well, well, they don't build up a junior non-title match ever. So well, that's why I'm wondering. Saying. Like, that, uh, like, is Takashi just going to come out with the title and they're just going to hope that everybody forgot that he lost the title? No. They're <laughs> like, building up, apparently. Now, see, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm going to wait for a Rio de Janeiro tournament that Takashi won. And There's two problems here. Number one, they never do a singles junior match that isn't for the title. So that's shocking enough. Number two, they're actually doing something of consequence with Will Ospreay. I think they remembered he was on the roster. Yeah, something's weird so, there. I don't know what's going on. But. So, but here's the thing. If they do Willow Spray Hiromu at King of Pro Wrestling or whatever, right, as like fifth from the top or something, in a number one contender match, which they should do more of because I'm sick and tired of guys just wandering out from the back saying, hey, I want a title shot. Yeah, I always wonder if there's – is there a mad dash to get to the curtain to get your title shot? Or like does – like that's what I mean. Like is it like one guy like or, or is everybody just like crunched together and eventually one guy emerges and it's like Goto and he's like, all right, cool, nice, like – now I'm gonna get yeah, the title shot. I mean, like, like everyone's like everyone's in the locker room or whatever, and then they notice the match is ending, and then they just run over to the curtain and see who can get out first. I, yeah, I'm sick of that. So they should do this more often if they go through with it. Um, you know, there were some, you know, Hiromu and Osprey calling each other out with promos and things like that. So it certainly looks like they're going in that direction, but no one could complain about seeing that match again, no, especially no, no. in the number. The problem here is I think Osprey will win to build up to uh Osprey Kushida, Kushida. Um, you know, uh, has beaten Osprey like a drum. Um, so that doesn't make a ton of sense. Or the alternative option is Hiromu winning, obviously. And then again, Osprey loses another big match. I just look, I would love to see these guys have a singles match. I just don't see a good outcome here, either direction. You know what I mean? It's it's kind of it's kind of weird. Uh, but look, I'm not gonna complain. They're doing at least something of of uh of consequence with Ospreay potentially, and that tag match should rule. Um, the the uh, other big time, two other destruction shows. We got Hiroshima on the nineteenth of uh, on the sixteenth of September. Uh, we've got that's the one headlined by Tanahashi and Zack Saber Jr. Set up by their excellent G one match, where Saber beat Tanahashi to set that up. Semi main event is Kushida defending against Desperado. I am super looking forward to that. Can't wait for that match. Um, it's nice to see someone else in the mix. I think Desperado is a fresh opponent. Um, I'm so sick of seeing Bushi and constant title matches and people. No, this is this is something new. It's something fresh. And then uh, you know, third from the top here is Naito, Evil, Sonata, Bushi, and Hiromu against Okada, Ishii, Yano, Osprey, and Gato. Um, so I should also mention that on every one of these, yes, dis- yeah, I cannot cannot do our preview without mentioning this. Which- is the tag team title three way with War Machine, Killer Elite Squad, and God? I'm sure the titles will change hands at least once, probably multiple times. The same match on all three shows, and it's buried on the mid card on all three shows as well. Laziest fucking booking ever. Yeah, Kato, come on, man. It sucks. Also in Hiroshima is uh, Taguchi and Ricochet defending against Yoshinobu Kanemoro and Taichi. Another random ass title defense. I would assume Taguchi and Ricochet survived that one, but the last time we said that, the Suzuki Gun team snuck in there and beat Rapongi Vice. So uh, who knows? It's always a possibility that the Suzuki Gun team can win the titles. I don't see it here, though. Also on that destruction show is the Rapongi Vice final match. 
Rocky Romero and Beretta against Yujiro and Chase Owens. So it looks like they're going to send Beretta and Romero out uh, with a nice win, and they'll get a nice ovation in Hiroshima. That's a nice job out of them doing that, right? Giving them one final match. Yeah, I kind of, I, I kind of like the idea that they were kind of done already, but I, I like that they're kind of coming back and, and and advertising it as okay, this is it now. Like you know, I thought when they did their little, um, I forgot what show it was um, when they lost to the Bucks. Yeah, whatever that was. So I, I kind of thought that, that was going to be it. So I was like, oh, okay, that, you know. But then um, I was glad they kind of rolled it back a little bit. And now they're, they're they're promoting it as okay, this is it now. So it'll be a nice little moment. You know? Yeah, right. Brett, right. Brett will pin Chase Owens. He's a heavyweight now, and it'll be a nice little moment. So the Destruction Show has some you know stuff peppered in throughout. Then you got the the, the, the junior tag title match, and then the stuff that's that's not a bad looking show. But we'll do these shows in more detail as it gets closer to them. And then the final one, the 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 final Destruction Show. This is the interesting one to me. Uh, this is the one in Kobe. I think they're really leaving Kenny Omega out to dry here. He defends against Juice Robinson, of course, set up by the huge Juice upset. And, uh, you know, the semi-main event here is a good match. It's Okada and Osprey versus Evil and Hiromu. Obviously, you know, that's, you know, Okada's facing Evil at King of Pro Wrestling. We assume that Osprey and Hiromu, as we just talked about, will also face each other. So there's a lot of reason for that. And it's a good-looking match. But... Omega really doesn't have a strong semi-main event here. There's no title match semi. Of course, you have the IWGP Tag Team title three-way, but that's on all of the shows, so that's not anything special. Um, Rich, you feel like, and this is Kobe World Hall. Are they testing Omega here? To I see think they can- are, yeah. I think, I think they're just trying to see, okay, how big of a deal is this guy on his own? Like, like is this guy, like, and, and it's going to be really interesting to see because I think he might be, but, man, this is a tough card when you look at it. Like, there is nothing really on there. And, and really, I mean, in, in, in one way, it's it's Omega out to dry, and I think it's also a test for Juice as well to see if Juice is like because we know that that I don't know if Juice is ever going to be like a top top tier guy or whatever, but I think that they now see him as as the guy who can be a player and the guy can can you know toll around in the never in the maybe I see maybe I don't know it might be a little too high, but I think this is as much of a test for Omega as it is for Juice because this is this is nothing. This is almost like I remember a few years ago there was or maybe it was last year that there was those Michael Elgin Naito ones that were on their own and we were like ooh I, let's a little bit of a test for Elgin and they did okay. And then there was the, uh, yeah. what was it, Elgin, or no, it was Naito. He couldn't do it because they had Lethal come in or whatever. But you had a few of those where it was just like Elgin was out there. And they were like almost being like, all right, well, are people get in on Elgin? And and they found out they were and that they did pretty well. So that's what I'm interested to see more than anything is is Omega obviously is being left out to dry. But I think this is very much also a, hey, what, what kind of cachet does Juice have as well amongst this Japanese audience? So this is a really interesting one because it's two Gaijin main eventing at Kobe. Like that that's a real big risk. So I'm, I'm curious to see how it goes. Yeah, so there's nothing on this card. There's, there's no, nothing and that on card. The card. I mean, sucks. Other than that. like I said, the semi-main events uh, will be a great match, and I, it's setting things up. But is it a drawing match necessarily? I no, God no, no. I don't think anybody's specifically going to see you know Evil and Okada and and Osprey and Takahashi. I don't think like you know they're, they're not buying a ticket because that match is on the, the bill. I mean, it'll be fine. It'll be good. But yeah, it's it's. I mean, if Omega, man, yeah. if if that show sells out, I mean that is a huge feather in Omega's cap to sell out against Juice Robinson with almost nothing underneath. I mean, the other cards have way more support in smaller buildings. Isn't that weird to you? It's weird to me. Um, so, you know, that was a bit bizarre. Also, I should note uh, that Kota Ibushi appears, I think, once on this entire tour. Is it? Is it? I think he appears once. Let's see. And I, I think. In- oh, yeah, he's in uh, Hiroshima. He's in there. He's on the Hiroshima He's with, uh, it's, it's Togi Makame, Michael Elgin, Kota Bushi versus Suzuki, Azuka, and Taka Michinoku. And that's it. 
Yeah. So, and that's after Suzuki will face Elgin. So we'll know who the never champ is at that point. Right. Cause that's the first, sh- right. So, uh, do you think that that's setting up an Ibushi Minoru Suzuki never match for King of Pro Wrestling? Mm. Curious that he's on the opposite side of him in that tag, correct? Yeah. Hmm. Because, I mean, what are the other scenarios? It's Elgin. Um, well, Elgin will have his title match a few days earlier. Right. So he wouldn't need it. And Maka, God help us if it's Maka. But... So isn't it curious that Ibushi shows up on one of these three shows and it's opposite? Yeah, of that's yeah. It's not like he's just there to be there. I mean, there's 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 a point in why he's there, and it doesn't make. I mean, he's not doing anything with Taka, and and he's not doing anything with Azuka. So yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. So King of Pro Wrestling, which won't have a tour in October, and of course that's one of their biggest shows of the year in Sumo Hall. Okada Evil on top again. I think that's the same as Juice Robinson. They clearly elevated Juice Robinson and Evil in this G1, and they're just kicking him in the pool without a life jacket you're going to have to draw. So very interesting. A lot of balls to headline with Juice Robinson. Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. Like, Juice is the second guy. Like, that's the thing is like, Omega's the one. And like, I think we have some uh, relative confidence. I mean, he's left out the drive, but man, like <laughs> Juice is the second guy. Yeah. That's nuts. It's, it's, it's crazy that they're counting on Juice to, to sell out Kobe World Hall and Evil to sell out Sumo Hall. I mean, it, it's just... D- this booking just takes enormous enormous set. It really does. Uh, now look, King of Pro Wrestling is gonna have no trouble. You've got Naito Ishii for the for the briefcase underneath. You're gonna have uh, uh, presumably um, you know some kind of Intercontinental. Well, maybe not. Maybe they won't do Intercontinental right back. But maybe you'll have uh, Kota Ibushi versus Minoru Suzuki, and maybe you'll have Willow Spray Hiromu Takahashi. That's gonna be a pretty loaded show. But we're kind of jumping ahead. There's only two matches officially announced, and we've got the three destruction shows to get through first, and uh, the two elimination matches that Rich isn't going to watch because I don't know he's a louse and he does not enjoy <laughs> elimination matches. So, uh, uh, I thought you know I think we hit off all the important bullet points on the uh, New Japan announcements as we get closer to those destruction shows. Yeah, interesting tours yeah. outside of the the tag yeah. titles, which are drizzling shits. So. Just a terrible job, and I wish we had more time to bash it, but we spent all of our time bashing Jinder Mahal, so that's how it we can, we can spend time bashing it in real time as it happens, and as we sit down and watch the third three-way match between the same three teams. And the other part, too, that's so ridiculous is, like, if I told you, Joe, that they would switch the titles on every single time, would you think that's ridiculous? Or would you think, yeah, that's probably likely? I think that's a definite possibility. I mean, like, I, the second I thought of it, I thought three, three times, three-way match, those titles are going to switch all three times. You can tell Hans is pissed off about it. I mean, I I think they'll change multiple times. I think they'll yeah. change at least twice. Two over under on one and a half title changes. Oh, over, I take the over. Way over. Okay, how about two and a half? I think it'll be twice. I'll take the under. You're gonna take twice. I'm going all three. I'm going all three. You going all three? All right. Three. It's, it's yeah. a definite possibility. I, don't <laughs> I mean, that sucks. That sucks. That's garbage. Like, it's terrible. It's the worst. It's uh, you can't possibly care. Why not just do Killer Elite Squad versus War Machine? Right. Right, and then do on the God first versus night. whoever, yeah, God, whoever, whoever wins that, and then God. yeah, you know, or yeah, and I know they don't like to do that, and they like to announce all the matches at once, but then just announce Killer Elite Squad versus God and Kobe, and turn it into a title match once they win, <laughs> yeah. or do it, or do it at King of Pro Wrestling. Oh, they'll probably do another three-way at King of Pro Wrestling. Oh my God, yeah, probably. The, any other scenario, but having the same three matches weeks apart is is ridiculous. That's just terrible. 
It's terrible. We're not getting our checks this week, but it's terrible. No, yeah, no, no checks this week. We buried it on the third hour, so maybe he'll maybe he'll pass out before he listens. So <laughs> he'll have one too few uh, diet cokes, and then he'll he'll be good. Or no, he was a, he was a regular coke guy, right? It was full co- Kadani. Coke classic, right? Full power Coke, yeah. yeah red hell can. yeah. He's like, hell yeah, American. <laughs> it's red can. Yep. Hell yeah. High fructose corn syrup. Let's go. All right. Uh, last thing before we get out of here uh, for the day. Uh, Loki gone from Gold Force Wrestling again. I know water is also wet. Uh, so this is fourth time that Loki and Gold Force Wrestling slash Impact have parted away. And now we're all eagerly anticipating the fifth time he returns to the company. So Loki, being Loki. The only, burn he, the only bridge he hasn't burned is the Gold Force Impact. Somehow, some way. Always seems to have a, a way to fall back there. But uh, yeah. Anyway, check out uh, voicewrestling.com. As I mentioned, we'll have previews of the uh, Triple Mania coming up. Also, a lot of other good stuff coming up throughout the week. Also, the Voice Wrestling Podcast Network. Make sure you look for Voices of Wrestling on wherever you get your podcasts from. We have some good stuff. We'll have DDT Peter Pan reviews from a few different podcasts as well. Joe and I are hopefully going to get to that uh, in next week. I've watched the main event. Uh, he has not watched any of it yet, but we'll hopefully we'll be able to get to a little bit of that, uh, what's going on in DDT. Uh, and a little bit more of the outside of the pro, but uh, if we don't, it doesn't matter because you got Burning Spirits doing it. You got Wrestling Omakase doing a little bit of that as well. Uh, some really good stuff up this week as well. Lucha the Hidden Temple, um, a lot of other good shows going on as well. So make sure you're checking that out. Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network and also slash forums to join the conversation. Uh, and yeah, for Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Cratch. We'll see you next time on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. In the world of one million wrestling podcasts, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today.